Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The workplace can sometimes be a hostile place with that hostility directed at colleagues because of their race, religion, or gender. An organization called Hate Breakers is conducting a campaign to make the workplace more welcoming and inclusive. There will be a panel discussion on dealing with hate and discrimination at work titled Woke at Work tonight at 7 at the Missouri History Museum. Joining me in studio are Susan Balk, the founder of Hate Breakers. Holly Edgel is St. Louis Public Radio race, identity, and culture editor. Both will be on that panel this evening. Thanks, both of you, for being here. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right. Uh, let's get right to it. Hate is a is a very big word to be using in connection with the workplace. Is it too strong a word? Yeah. I don't think so. I think, you know, when we first started Hate Breakers about 10 years ago, people said, why do you have to use that word in the name of your organization? And now I think, I, I mean, we look at it all the way from bullying to genocide mm-hmm. and we, it, as kind of a sliding scale. And I think there are acts of hate or acts of bias that that can leave trauma. And people like Holly are working to help us not only demystify what, whether you call it hate or bias, or there are a million other words for it, some of them euphemisms, but Holly is really doing work to demystify it, and not only that, but to move things forward for organizations and for yeah. customers. And... Um, we're thrilled that she's going to be part of the evening. Well, Holly, exactly what are you doing? There's, there's no hate in this workplace, I hope, because <laughs> no. we both share. <laughs> um, well, I come at this from a, as a journalist and a, an observer and someone who's 
always been interested in the way that we share space in our society and work and uh, whether it's in the workplace or you have a consumer-facing business where you're working with the public, there's so many interactions that happen all the time that could go better and sometimes explode, as we've seen. Um, a lot of times we don't see the flashpoints within the workplace because they may they may happen within an organization um, and be dealt with within the organization. We, we do hear about these flashpoints that happen in public, in retail or dining environments. So for me, I, I'm really concerned that we uh, cover these stories in a way that is not just, oh, this happened, but Let's track the whole picture. What's happening? What are the trends? And then what are the solutions that we can find experts in our community to to share with people for? And, and Hatebreakers, they found um, about about the stuff that I was doing because of the show. <laughs> the last time we talked about bias training. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to to get the community talking. What kind of, uh, Susan, what kind of flashpoints are we talking about? Are we talking about incidents such as Starbucks uh, where the two gentlemen uh, were – discriminated against there as they waited for a friend in, in the uh, in the coffee shop, if you will. Are we talking about someone who goes postal and goes in and blows away colleagues or both? I think we want to get smarter about everything. Mm-hmm. And the two people we're giving Hatebreaker Hero Awards tonight are people who not are, are whatever the opposite of corporate is. Mm-hmm. One of them is a rural Missouri tattoo artist who not only refuses to do swastikas or bullets or upside-down crosses, Mm -hmm. but volunteers to remove such things for free. And to us, that interruption of the predictable hate-breeds-hate cycle gives the person to whom this hero... Mm -hmm. um, he gives him a fresh start. He's no longer defined by these by these emblems of hate. The other person is a, a local man named Kellen Hill. He's a sales associate for Acura. And he and his family were at a large supermarket. Um, I'm going to say four months ago. Mm-hmm. And place they'd gone many, many times to cash money orders or to buy money orders. But, and they're a family that moved here from Florida and did not yet have their local ID. So they went, and the man, the manager of this place they'd gone to many times said, No, we can't cash your money order because of your ID. So they went to the bank and they got cash. And they came back with the cash. And he wouldn't take that either. And luckily, somebody did a video of that entire situation. People in the um, fellow fellow customers came to the defense of these people, said that it that that it was wrong. What I am so moved by is the way this this young man, Kellen Hill, handled himself. He was as they say, the boss in the situation. He stayed steady, and he even said to this manager, look, man, I, I want to save your job, but this is, you know, the, you're being racist. Mm-hmm. So what, 
we want to get smarter about hand, how to handle ourselves when we feel discriminated against. But also, if we have businesses, what do we do? Do we just do a sort of public relations Band-Aid and fire the person? Or are, and, and, and then maybe give some money to the charity of the person who was wronged and, and then go about our business? Well, Holly has really analyzed what works and what doesn't work and is actually measuring the effect of some of these actions. And I think both spotlighting these two young men and listening to what Holly and the others on the panel are going to say, we're not going to demonize these people who, who don't know what the right thing to do is, but we're going to help, help them. I want to ask you what you're finding, Holly, but I want to go back to this word hate for a moment because are we equating the hate with discrimination? I, I think it's a feature. It can be a feature of discrimination. I think that um, you know, hate covers a lot of ground. Like you said, it's a big word. But I think at the heart of uh, discrimination, um, prejudice, bias – is a, is, a, is a piece of that, is a sort of an, an, an unknowing, and oftentimes we hate or push away the things we don't understand, um, or there's a latent feeling within us that we don't even really know we have until faced in, with a situation. So I do think that, um, you know, and really, we've talked about this before too, Don, you know, we've talked a lot about these things, but to really put a word to it that has some power and some something that gets people's attention. I think I think is is not inaccurate by any means. All right, let's go back now to some sure. of the things that you're finding that uh, Susan is. As uh, 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 mentioned, well, I don't know how much an- analytics I've done. I'm, I'm, you give me a lot of credit, Susan, <laughs> but I am tracking um, some of these incidents that have happened publicly, both in our region and nationally. I keep track of um, incidents where police were called, where security was called, where the company made some kind of apology or formal. Um, action, either firing or reassigning someone. But but to me, I'm also really interested in what companies are doing proactively. And um, earlier this year, we did a story about um, the uh, Check Your Blind Spots mobile that was parked outside of Express Scripts. Um, and Express Scripts is one of the one of the companies that has signed on to a nationwide um, CEO-led initiative to really tackle these issues in the workplace. And um, they had their employees go into this mobile and as well as members of the public to see, to take part in exercises that sort of, oh, wow, yeah, I do have a blind spot there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a bias there. And so that becomes a sol- solution. So I'm really interested in covering those types of stories as well. Could, could you give me an example of, of, of a blind spot, what's, what you may have found or what, uh, what came out of this uh, this exercise? Sure. Well, I, I think um, a lot of these incidents that we've seen in the public play out, for example, the most recent one um, where the, the two neighbors were confronting each other in, in, a, in an apartment building and a white woman was, was demanding of her black neighbor um, that sh- he show her proof that he lived there. Um, in her mind, it's she's not acting out of discrimination. It's, it's, so that's, a, to me, a blind spot. She um, may not have thought about the way that she was acting in that sense, but I feel like it, it comes from that place, mm-hmm. that blind spot. Uh, we might also have blind spots around um, gender pronouns. We may have blind spots about culture, about people who speak a different language. Um, and I think that all of us have these. Now, they all, don't all rise to the level of hate or or 
fall to the level of hate, if you will. But but we all have things within us that we've grown up with that we feel is, are maybe acceptable. Um, and, and just checking those biases is really important. Susan, tell me a little bit more about this national commitment that Holly mentioned and, and how it works. Who are you reaching out to? It's the National Commitment to Diversity and Inclusion. Well, Holly can talk more about that. I, I'd just like to get back to your question about hate. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, October 25th, 2018. So I have been told it has been a few weeks, but we are back neutralizing workplace racism. Generally would be our weekly installment, but I have been uh, engaged in rigorous teacher training, prenatal yoga teacher training to be specific for the last week, what feels like an eternity, uh, but successfully made it through prenatal certified prenatal yoga instructor uh, did cause, you know, obviously a massive disruption in the broadcast schedule. Uh, and having this be our first workplace racism broadcast of the month. Uh, thank you, Cows listeners, for being patient uh, while I was out. I uh, hope <clears throat> the program being back is worthy of your time and energy. And specifically, reason, the number one reason, to be explicit, the number one reason why I wanted to get involved with prenatal yoga so our program ended on Friday. This article was in the New York Times on Monday. Miscarrying at work, the physical toll of pregnancy discrimination. Now, they don't mention racism, white supremacy in this report, but the female, the first female that they're talking about is a black female. And it seems that all of the females that they have illustrations of in this article are black females. I'm not gonna read the entire report, but just a snippet. So it says, uh, if you are a Verizon customer on the East Coast, odds are your odds are good that your cell phone or tablet arrived by way of a beige windowless warehouse near Tennessee's border with Mississippi. Inside hundreds of workers, many of them women, lift and drag boxes weighing up to 45 pounds filled with iPhones and other gadgets. There is no air conditioning on the floor of the warehouse, which is owned and operated by a contractor. Temperatures there can rise past 100 degrees. Workers often faint, according to the interviews with 20 current and former employees. One evening in January 2014, after eight hours of lifting, Erica Hayes ran to the bathroom. Blood drenched her jeans. She was 23 and in the second trimester of her first pregnancy. She had spent much of the week hoisting the warehouse's largest boxes from one conveyor belt to the next. Ever since she learned she was pregnant, she had been begging the supervisor to let her work with lighter boxes, she said in an interview. She said her boss repeatedly said no. She fainted on her way out of the bathroom that day. 
The baby growing inside of her, the one she had secretly hoped was a girl, was gone. It was the worst thing I have ever experienced in my life, Miss Hayes said. Three other women in the warehouse also had miscarriages in 2014 when it was owned by a contractor called New Breed Logistics. Later that year, a larger company, XPO Logistics, bought New Breed and the warehouse. The problems continued. Another woman miscarried there this summer. Then in August, C. Adria Walker did too. The women had all asked for lighter duty. Three said they brought in doctor's notes recommending less taxing workloads and shorter shifts. They said supervisors disregarded the letters. Pregnancy uh, discrimination, as they call it, is widespread in corporate America. Some employers deny expecting mothers promotions or pay raises. Others fire them before they can take maternity leave. But for women who work in physically demanding jobs, pregnancy discrimination often can come with even higher stakes. I will stop there. And again, racism is not used, but the picture that they have, the very first picture that you see is of a black female. And it seems that it's all black females that are shown throughout this article. And again, I learned in prenatal yoga teacher training, most likely to die in childbirth at a hospital. Black mothers, most likely for a C-section, most likely for uh, or highest maternal mortality rate. Black females for all of those. So very serious stakes. And uh, with this specifically, that aspect of workplace racism, I am sure that if it's black moms in the workplace and they are pregnant showing, I am sure uh, the racism is even more amplified. Uh, if folks have any thoughts or experiences with that, that would be uh, appreciated uh, if you have a thought or would like to share. Uh, again, workplace racism, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If you need instructions on how to access the broadcast live, you can always go to Black Talk Radio Network. Once you get there, you can click the tab for the cows context of white supremacy. Doing so, you'll be able to listen to us right on the page. You can also listen via TuneIn, which is linked uh, on the Black Talk Radio Network page, or you can just go to TuneIn and then go to the cows page on TuneIn, and you can always listen to the live content there. Uh, you can call in the number again, the 641 715 the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Those are options for dialing in. You can call in via the phone, even if you don't want to participate. And you can just listen that way if you're looking for options. Again, this is workplace racism. I know we haven't <clears throat> been broadcasting live for a couple of weeks, but just in case you need a reminder, this is not a spectator broadcast. If you're having problems on the job, <clears throat> if you have a work history at all, then you should probably have a few things that you can reflect on and discuss. 
certainly we always need to hear if you figured out how to completely resolve workplace racial issues <clears throat> where you are not mistreated. You get whatever days off you need, vacation time. They don't move your office around. They might move uh, the other coloreds. They might move them around every other day, but not you. You have a stationary working position and it's not going to move unless you say so. If you figured out how to get in that position, let us know. Dial in and give us detailed notes. I can share a bit of my own <clears throat> workplace racism before I read. Oh, and uh, you can always email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. And I can share your commentary on the air. Uh, if you are not able or interested in calling in to speak with us uh, via the phone. Uh, but I can give my own bit of workplace racism. So I just did the prenatal teacher, prenatal yoga teacher training program, 85 hour certification program. Whew, it was hard. So I was the only black male in the group, which I expected. I was the only male in the group, which I expected. <clears throat> only the second time that she's had a male in this program in the 20 years that she's been doing it. She's only had five uh, black female students. So we get to, I think this is the end of the second week of the training. So this is like two weeks ago. And we watched this video. She had been telling us about this video uh, that we were going to watch for about a good week or so. We watched this video. It's about um, Margaret Smith, black female. She's a midwife in Alabama. Uh, I think it's Utah County, Alabama. And she's reported to have delivered like 3,500 babies in this uh, county of Alabama. Amazing, right? And she's uh, elderly. She's, you know, in her, I think, 90s at the time that they do this uh, documentary, uh, telling her story and about her life and, you know, how she was raised. I think she was, she reports that she was raised by a slave, a black slave uh, in the early 20th century and really interesting narrative. But we watch all this and she talks about, you know, helping being a midwife and helping all these black moms, you know, give birth over the years and uh, delivering five babies in one night sometimes just, you know, really wild stuff. But I'm here. It's like white woman heavily dominated environment for sure which i expected it to be and so we get to the end of this film this black female she's like in in a shack in alabama i mean it's white terrorism right it's not like she's done all of this and been paid well and it's you know in opulent wealth that's not the situation at all and so she's in you know this little rundown little shack uh, of a place and, you know, is doing her thing and is talking about what she went through and how hard it was and being with her husband. And uh, they were like sharecroppers at one point before uh, she became a midwife. And I think she was even at Tuskegee doing her training and such as a midwife during the time when the Tuskegee experiment would have been going on. I remember making a note of that, but it just, it was very challenging for me because we kind of got to the end and the females seemed 
like enthused about the film like wow this uh, and the black female's name is margaret smith so oh the miss smith she's she's something like wow 3500 babies and wow and that sort of thing and that was not my take on it at all i mean you know yeah she you know that's a lot of work and and i'm sure she helped as many people as she could but mine was more wow she's just in a totally destitute situation and even her these births they said explicitly this was because the white doctors didn't want to have anything to do with the little nigger baby. So, you know, whatever. It just They just happened to be fortunate that they got a quality midwife who could really do, you know, some help for them. But, I mean, all of this, I mean, it's just total uh, treacherous white terrorism and direct line from that to current state where you have the miscarriages on the job uh, that I just read about and... Uh, most likely to get a C-section, most likely to die in the hospital. Learned all that in teacher training. Anyway, it was very challenging uh, to sit there and nobody really saying anything about racism. I brought that point up immediately. I said what I just said to you, direct line, direct racism, white supremacy, and I had my shirt on that day. Please treat me like a white person. I think when I finished my statement, I'm paraphrasing what I said in, uh, to them when we finished watching this documentary. And we watched this documentary at the end of a very long day. Uh, I think we got there that day at 9 a.m. Uh, we worked through lunch. We watched this documentary at like five. So we had been there. I think we had taught like one or two classes at this point. We had covered a lot of material and this was the end of two weeks of rigorous training with one more week to go. So we had already done eight hours of work. My patience was running thin and it was so challenging for me to sit there and not, you know, just like these lying racist heifers and name calling and all of it. And uh, I had to take a break. I had to excuse myself. I think people have talked about that as a strategy before. I went to the restroom and just, you know, took some breaths, put some cold water on my face get my composure. But I mean, it was just, it was, it was a very unpleasant moment. Uh, I don't know if other people have had that experience, but where whites pray, really play, praise and glorify a black person for anything, but especially a deceased black person who they allege did a lot of constructive things. And it's not that the black person or non-white person did anything wrong. They may very well have done some great things, but it's just, it's something really incorrect about it, and especially if the black person that's being praised or studied, if they had a really difficult time, you know, like it was punishment for them to do all this really grueling circumstances because of racists. And then it's like for racists, whites to sit back and, oh, wow, such perseverance. Wow. Look what we, we put through all that and wow. They, Anywho, that was what I was feeling. It was a very challenging day uh, for Gus T on that one. Take breaks. If, you, if you're if you feeling like it's difficult, take a break. Uh, Might have even been a good one for me to leave early, but I know my energy was very strong and very um, just feel it was a day where the, the racism of all of that, when people talk about the whole racist environment of yoga and really all areas of people activity that was it was very salient at that moment uh for gusty continuing <clears throat> lots of people wrote uh during the interim uh while workplace racism was waiting to get back on the air uh and we even got uh draftomania she 
mailed a document. I have a PDF of it. I can uh, upload the link this evening, uh, but it's kind of a work sheet. It's brief. It's just a few pages, uh, but it's kind of a way of doing a self-assessment of just how you're feeling about the job, if it's causing you a lot of stress uh, and kind of detail. You can, it can kind of help you hone in on what might be causing specific problems, issues, might be of some help, but she mailed it. Uh, I made a PDF of it. I'll be sure to share the link as we proceed. Uh, let's see. Uh, first one, visual documentation here. Let's see if I can pull up what they uh, sent us from the workplace. Let's see. Oh, it's one of these identification forms. I love it. Anytime people on uh, your job, if they fill out, if they give out some sort of flyer uh, or any any other form that you're supposed to complete, and it's got like racial categories, you're supposed to classify. Always good to take a gander at those. I would appreciate it if they, you know, give out such such items on the job. I don't know why the image is taking such a, a long time to load here. Uh, Let's see. All right, let's check out what we got. Let's see. Wow, that's really small. Okay. The racial classifications. Let's see. Wow, it's I'm having a difficult time reading it. Wow, it's so small. It's so small, I'm having a hard time reading it. I can't really, I can kind of make out the bold face print, but it's really small picture. Very, very tiny. Wow. I will have to uh, see if I can make it bigger because I'm, I'm not going to be able to make out the details. It's so tiny. Wow. I thought uh, 2018, I thought everybody had super incredible, you know, pictures uh, on their phones and any other electrical gadgets. Okay. Uh, next person that wrote in, while well, I'll see if I can correct the fic, uh, picture, or if the person who emailed uh, the picture with the racial classifications from the job, if you could maybe take another picture where it's a little bit larger, that would be great. Uh, other person wrote in, this is a black male, recently I've been working an online job at home for extra hours, scanning through high school football games to make highlights. These games are from all over the country, from Georgia to Alaska. What I've noticed since I've started is not only are the commentators 99% white, they also almost always refer to the non-white black athletes as boy, beast, animal, monster, freak, freak of nature, even creating... Even creating the portmanteau, manimal. Oh, manimal, not a man. Manimal, got it. Uh, yet they refer to the white athletes by name, by position, i.e. he's a great quarterback, running back, wide receiver, as a fine athlete or a good player, grown man. Even at the kitchen table on my laptop, I have to suffer through racist man and racist woman with their dangerous racist commentary. 
projecting the propaganda of young black males as being non-human. Uh, uh, I happened to catch the homecoming presentation for one of the games in Mississippi. Five of six young black females were placed with young white males for the pageantry walk. Hmm. Medical victim, cowbell, I guess you can uh, insert there. Uh, next person. Uh, who wrote in. Uh, I reported my workplace. This is uh, blackmail. I reported my workplace for harassment and mistreatment. The upper level corporate team came to our office to investigate. Speaking with most of my coworkers, everyone pretty much said the same thing in regards to mistreatment. My mistreatment was purely based on racism as I was the only black person in the office. It was very hard for me to describe the problems I faced with this one white supervisor since I did not want to mention racism, but show I am clearly treated differently than my white co-workers. I didn't have as concrete evidence such as being called a nigger or monkey. Any, uh, any suggestions on how to tackle this next time this happens? Uh, I think Mr. Fuller, uh, myself, and I think others have suggested not making an accusation of racism on the job because it tends to be very difficult to prove, as you stated, unless, you know, you have like video recording and about 500 white witnesses who will testify like, oh, yeah, you know, on uh, April 24th, uh, at about 12 noon, uh, Ted called Mr. Johnson a nigger and I heard him called him a spear trucker too. I mean, unless you have something like that where it's real flagrant, undeniable, then generally they're just going to say, no, we don't think maybe there was a misunderstanding or maybe you're just sensitive, but they're just going to say that. So you have to have evidence and you can have evidence and you don't even have to say racism. You can just have evidence that it seems like there has been uh, something incorrect. It seems like there has been mistreatment. It seems like uh, policy of some sort has been violated. You don't have to say racism at all. It seems as Mr. Fuller would say, there has been a violation of due process. Is this the way things are supposed to be done here? And let's review the evidence. Uh, they're supposed to have some sort of investigation. Let's review the evidence and see if everything has been done by the books, as they say. That's the way that I would proceed. And if it's if you think you have been mistreated, I know you didn't go into detail with us in the letter here, other than saying that you, um, I guess, with this one white supervisor. Uh, that's why I talk about having documentation so that you can be very uh, specific. Uh, racism, white supremacy, a lot of times is about details. Uh, you have to be very detailed if you're saying you've been mistreated. These are the dates, times, exact ways. If it's a comparison thing where uh, you're not being paid the same thing, you wouldn't have to have evidence, right? Of This is what I'm being compensated versus other people who are doing the same job. This is what they're being compensated. Or if I'm being reprimanded for, you know, coming in two minutes late and other people are coming in two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes late, and they're not being reprimanded, you'd have to have evidence of that. So that's why I talk about uh, documenting, taking notes, uh, so that you can be very specific and it's not uh, where you're kind of hemming and hawing, for lack of a better word, or, or searching uh, because you think it's racism. It is racism, but you don't want to say that. And then you're having a difficult time evidencing what the problem is. Continuing, uh, in regards to the above, <clears throat> 
I remember you saying my black uh, I remember you saying my black supervisor is a victim and I disagreed. Well, the black victim supervisor took most of the blunt of this investigation. The white supervisor was the one telling him to mistreat people, in particular black employees, former and current. Everyone all agreed he is not bad when he's alone. It's only when the white female supervisor is there he carries out her terrorism. He's above her in terms of rank. He has not been in the office since the investigation. We think he is attending meetings in regards to employment. All who went in for questioning told the investigators it was the white female supervisor causing the issue, and yet she's walking around scot-free. This is the reason why I had an issue when I was questioned. I could not mention racism or allude to it as it wouldn't be believed, and clearly they would take the side of the white female supervisor. Yes, and uh, again, that's why uh, evidence, documenting, I think we've talked about that quite a bit uh, through the years, uh, and with the situation, the other half of the letter, uh, that's why I think it's very important in terms of really just being honest about who's causing the problem. Uh, we can be frustrated. That's human. That's natural. I get frustrated with other victims sometimes, including myself. Getting frustrated with another victim after you, we can calm down and kind of, you know, get control of our emotions again. I put that in the description for this broadcast specifically every time. Once we can kind of get those emotions back in and realize like, oh, okay, you know, maybe it, that black male is not my brother and I'm not going to call him my black brother. I'm not going to pretend that we're even friends, but I do notice, oh, okay, this white woman is the one who seems to be in charge, even though he has a higher rank. It is still the system of white supremacy, and he's doing what the rest of us on the plantation are doing, listening to racist man and racist woman. That's the same thing that I'm doing. I think when we can step back and kind of realize just, you know, the truth of what is, then we can have better focus about, you know, what it is that we're trying to do. If I need information, I'm being mistreated here. Let's go about collecting information on these are the specific ways that I'm being mistreated. These are the specific ways that I'm being treated versus how others are being treated in the office. And it is to my detriment. You don't ever have to say racism, just that I'm not being treated the way that they are. And it is not an advantage to me. Uh, I'll Continue to go through the email and see if I can do something about this picture. Uh, other folks, again, the email until justice at gmail.com. The number 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I actually think this is going to be uh, au revoir, our last workplace racism broadcast on Thursday. I said a few weeks back we were going to rotate and do workplace racism on Friday in the book club on Thursday to satisfy Stacy in the UK. She said she's up late to hang out and chat with us. It would be easier if it was on Friday because then she wouldn't have to go to work the next day and it might make it easier for others around the world to participate. So I think we will do our rotate and beginning next week, workplace racism on Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and then the book club Thursday. So 
last Thursday book club. If anybody has objections or is disgruntled about that, you should speak up because I've we talked about this, I think, last year. And then I mentioned it a few weeks ago and no one seemed to be bothered about it then. So speak up if you have uh, problems or would be really disgruntled if workplace racism got moved to Friday, which it should be happening next week. Uh, with that, folks who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. Feel free. May I be heard? Greetings, Red in Nevada. Hello. Um, hello, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. Um, definitely a, a really sad um, clip about the miscarriages at work. Um, I was looking at the Facebook page, and you can see where there's the black female on the Facebook page on, like, the cover picture, and she's kind of holding, like, a little bundle of um cover or like a bundle of cover or whatever um like it's a child and so definitely i can't even imagine the type of like hurt she feels um and i thought just briefly like i was just thinking about my personal life and just these black females that i know um that are near my age um they've all had c-sections multiple some of them multiple no matter what their diet was one was very conscious about what they ate and everything didn't matter still needed a reason to, you know, cut them open. Um, but uh, about workplace racism, I was actually speaking to a, um, a black female at my job and at the plantation. And um, we started talking about how, or actually not we, um, I overheard like a conversation, but I would speak to her as well. But a, a conversation that she was having with someone else about how um, at a job as she had, just had gotten a raise and um you know the job the the plantation started kind of changing i think something with to do with management um just got it raised found out she was pregnant and the next thing you know they fired her so definitely you know even if you get a raise that's not even a guarantee that they are you know going to keep you there and i just thought that that was just such horrific terrorism and i i can't remember you know she was definitely um far along. I don't know like how, I forgot how far along she was. But um, I, one thing that I've been noticing is that I'm now, I'm, oh, um, that's uh, another thing um, Gus had mentioned about, you know, people can, you know, stay in one place and not constantly be moved. I don't know if anyone's keeping count. I've lost count myself. I've been moved again. This time I actually have to share um, a death with another person, which is very interesting. I've never had to do that. So I try to still be, you know, courteous. I try to leave it how the other person had it before because they've been at that location um, longer. Uh, where I am now, it's, it definitely seems very stressful, more, much more stressful uh, than before. Uh, where I was before, um, people were more quiet, kind of, you know, did their work or whatever. Um, now um, I have a different sus uh, suspected racist. Um, supervisor, which I thought was interesting. I actually had to speak to them today and um, they had made a comment about the previous supervisor, the white woman that I had who was barely even there. And they had said how good of a job she was doing. And I was thinking to myself, how could she do a good job if she wasn't even there? And she quit despite the fact that she was never there. She would probably be there maybe 
um, for the short period of time that she was with the company. I don't know, maybe she would work maybe one full week a month. Then every other time she would always, you know, be something would go wrong, apparently. So I just thought that that was interesting. How could she do her job well and then also constantly not be at the job? That didn't seem like that was a, you know, that that made sense. But of course, you know, um, these suspected racists, they will make sure to um, protect themselves. Uh, I didn't really make a comment about, you know, whether I didn't agree nor, you know, make it, make it, made my opinion of how I disagreed about it. Um, but one thing that I'm dealing with, one thing that I've um, started to incorporate as far as the, the new location where I am is I'm just trying to um, look up different things that kind of like are soothing or calming. Um, I've, I've had like these little um, quotes or something like that, especially about work. I was given, they were given to me by um, different victims at the plantation. They are leaning on the religious side. I just kind of removed the religious part of it and just kind of focus on, you know, the more pertinent uh, parts of the quotes. Um, And then like also different scents. I had um, looked up before, like different, like essential oils. They're supposed to be um, calming and stuff like that, like lavender, I think, um, different fruity scents as well. So I've been kind of um, trying to make sure I incorporate more of that. And I guess the last thing I know that's been talked about on workplace racism over and over and over again, don't, you know, and even now, um, like, you know, if somebody touches you, even on the shoulder or whatever, you know, just address it immediately. It's always really hard for me to address it, especially when it comes to a victim. So I just kind of, you know, just let it go and just kind of deal with it on my own. And that's, that's another thing that I'm dealing with now in that area. One person, they, they, you know, to get my attention, they will touch my arm. So it's kind of like, I don't, with how I've noticed the, the, the people in this area are, and they're, most of them are victims. Um, they seem like, I don't know, they may be confused. Uh, and of course, we're all confused, not saying that I'm, you know, any less confused than, you know, any, uh, you know, than anyone else. Um, but I, I, it's kind of, you know, um, I guess kind of difficult for me to verbalize. And I don't want to be rude or come off any way of disrespect or anything about, you know, maybe this is not something that you should, you know, do, especially or, you know, if you do it, just don't, don't do it to me or just kind of get over and just, you know, just because of the victim is not mean or anything. Um, but I guess, um, that's, that's, that's all I will share. Oh, one last thing. Um, I had overheard a conversation. This was at a, when I was sitting in a different area. Um, I can't remember if I shared this or not. Somehow they were talking about the victim, Kanye West and how he had just was at the president's, um, office. And one person had said, um, I don't know if the person would be classified as white or not. He was like, how could a black, how could a black man, um, you know, hug a racist? And it was interesting that the white people around him were silent, didn't ask, didn't answer, you know, answer that question or anything. And then they just kind of moved on to the next topic. Uh, but I'll, I'll meet online at that. Thank you for allowing me to share. Much obliged. That good old Kanye West, always great for a conversation starter. What would we do without him? Um, the C, yeah, the C-sections, that's an important conversation. Uh, I will 
have to bring that back up, uh, compensatory call in prenatal yoga and the C-sections. I think we ended up ending talking about that last week when I brought up uh, prenatal yoga and the teacher training. Um, let's see, with regards to victims and any sort of unwanted uh, touching, if it's a, I don't know, pat on the arm or something of that nature, uh, I say if the code is no touching and it's something, you know, I'm not something that you're not comfortable with, I would just say something. I mean, you know, hey, Fred, Johnny, Mr. Johnson, whatever it is, uh, you know, I'd just appreciate it if you could just do a handshake or no touching. I'm just not a fan of a lot of touching in the way. Bill Cosby, <laughs> his name again, Bill Cosby. And you could even put it to him that way, you know, Bill Cosby. You saw what happened to him. Might even be a good. Allison Manswell, she said that I was playing that audio uh, before we went live. She said that. She says she uh, encourages males that she works with. She wrote the book, uh, Listen In, and she does uh, like life coaching around workplace racism issues specifically she's a black female but she says she tells males you know watch your space in the workplace you don't want to be perceived as uh intimidating or anything like that you could say hey you know you're a black male just be careful i personally don't like a whole lot of touching but might even be good you know to put apart as as a part of how you conduct yourself in the workplace because these people around here or just in general you know like to accuse us of things so i try to be real hands-off in the workplace Maybe that's something you can try out to or not, but I'm I'm just not in for all the touching. You don't have to say all that if you don't want to. I don't know what type of rapport uh, you have with this person, but if you don't feel comfortable with it, I definitely always encourage uh, making that clear. And that way it can just be across the board. And then you get more comfortable with it every time, anytime someone violates you. Or it's not even, yeah, anytime when someone violates your space in that manner, you don't want, you don't want to be touched on your arm. Don't touch me on my arm. You get more practice. You get more confident in your code and how uh, regulating your space, which I think is super important, especially for black people. Uh, I think that is super important for us to do regulating our personal space. Uh, I think everything about this system just encourages everyone to just trample uh, black people, our bodies and just do whatever they want. So, yes, stand up. Let them know. Hey, no touching, please. Much obliged. Uh, if other folks have thoughts on that or how you would go about doing that if it was a victim uh, doing the kind of touch on the arm. I guess it's, it's, I thought she said to get your attention or whatever, if he's going to come by to say what's up or whatever he's going to do. Uh, if is that uh, Stacy in the UK? I guess. Yeah. Um, sorry. If you finished what you were saying. Uh, proceed. Proceed. Okay. Um, hello to you guys. And to the rest of the players. Um, just on the touching thing. Um, Your uh, volume is a little low. My apologies. Sorry, but... can, can you hear? Can you hear me now? That's better. Yeah, just on the touching thing. Um, somebody did that to me oh, last week. Actually, um, it's not so much. I mean, I don't like people touching me anyway. But it's not so much the touching to catch my attention, which is bad enough in itself. It's the touching to kind of shut you down. Um, which has happened to me a couple of times um, with uh, my ex-boss and then um, 
a non-white male did it to me once before as well. It's just, it can be such a gentle touch, but it's a dismissive thing. Um, and someone did it to me last week, actually. And I haven't worked out a way of dealing with that, but it's something I know I'm going to need to address, really. So any, any um, ideas would be welcome. But yeah, it, there's one, it's, it's bad enough if people are trying to touch you, to hug you and do things like that. But there's, a, there's an even worse side of it where they're, they're just essentially telling you to shut up in, in, a, in a really dismissive way. Anyway, it's uh, October, so it's Black History Month in um, the UK, as I mentioned before. And I mentioned about the twerking. They did actually go ahead and offer twerking. And it was quite a surprise to me, actually, because I thought it was just going to be an internal offer to non-white staff. In fact, it's been promoted to the public as well. So I'm, I'm even more astonished. Now, what happened is that there was there's a new chief exec, a female a racist suspect. Now, she's come in and she's, you know, trying to make her mark and she's talking about all the things she's going to address and the, one of the first things on her list and uh, high priorities to address all of the um, ambitions around improving the, the ethnic minority pay gap and addressing the bullying and the harassment across the organisation and gender and various diversity initiatives. And so we were all called in for the full staff briefings and people were given the opportunity to ask questions and I sat there it was only half an hour briefing and I thought to myself shall I mention the fact or you know ask a question around the offer of twerking and what non-white staff should particularly black females should think of themselves as a result of the or rather how the organization views them as a result of the twerking offer and I sat there for a good half an hour toying with the idea of actually saying something and in the end I just said you know what don't because the reality of it is that they're not going to do anything they'll probably blame some non-white person for actually coming up with the idea and they will probably um, um, roll out some non-white people who will defend the idea so I just thought either way nothing is to be gained from it but I'll just quickly read the person's website who um, is offering this workshop now I'm sure she did not approach the organization where I work to offer her services so this is not a critique of her but when you click on the website you then get a link to her organization and she says her name she says i'm a lover of words i act and i direct i tweet and i dissect bits about a society one rant at a time when i'm not doing all of the above i teach pole dancing and twerk at my studio society teaches that, that we must fall into categories somehow all I know is that I am just a baby girl. Thank you for visiting my page and I hope you find what you were looking for. Again, no critique of the non-white female because I don't think she approached anyone with her services. And this is, this is all linked to so-called African traditional dance and cultural appropriation of twerking. And I'll leave that there. Um, 
there have been a couple of resignations. Uh, the racist aggressive director emailed the team last week. She uh, last Friday. She told me when we had the meeting when I came back to work in July that she would be taking the whole of August off because her daughter was unwell. We then got an email at the beginning of September to say she would not be back until the middle of October at the earliest. So on Friday, we got an email to say that she had decided not to come back. She is the second person to leave. The head of team, who was also somebody that I had put in a grievance against, she actually left. I not she told me when she left because I was away, but I have a feeling it was at the end of April or beginning of April. And they appointed um, who was it? The one one of the other racist suspects. Um, who I'd also put in a grievance against as the new head of team. So I, it's not clear why they all leave, but um, I'm sure they've negotiated out a nice um, pay settlement before they left. Um, I won't miss her. And I'm going to stop talking there, Gus, because I've been talking for a while, but if there's time, I'll come back and talk about some other matters. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll meet my line there, Gus. She said, "I won't miss her." That's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Thomas in New York. Yes, sir. I was just going to say I'm. I'm curious as to why they didn't offer pole dancing as well. If if we're going to do it up for Negro History <laughs> Month, why not have twerking and pole dancing? I feel like they uh, they went cheap on you all, Thomas. Yeah. Hey, I, I had Negro History Month where I had to order fried chicken and ribs. Remember? Um. Workplace racism. Good evening, Gus. Good evening to all the callers. Um, the French woman at work that I've been telling you about um, came in to tell me a secret um, a couple of weeks, well, last week or so, um, quickly um, to spread. You know, she was pretty much wanted to tell me about a secret about, yeah, her argument with the receptionist. I think I mentioned that on the last show. Um, the receptionist to her had a little spat. Um, so she grabbed my forearm and then she started doing a reverse rub, you know, like, you know, happy ending type thing. I, I just pulled my arm away and she said, this could be harassment. Let me stop. And then she started laughing and walks off. Uh, as I walk around the office and I pass her cubicle, she calls me darling, honey, sweetie pie, love, and says, you know, every now and then, I know this sounds like, it says it loud, I know this sounds like harassment, but I just love Thomas, you know, that type of thing. Um, so she won't let her riff with the receptionist go. And, um, so she's, um, pretty much demanding that this receptionist, the, who is a black female person being classified as black or female, acknowledges her, was, you know, responds uh, in a certain way to her conversations. She tries to start conversations with her or butt into conversations that she's having. And quickly the receptionist gets up and walks away. She doesn't want anything to do with this lady. That's not work-related, and um, I think that's very codified on her behalf. Um, so this French lady calls in sick Friday, um, meaning she had to send an email to the receptionist. And she CC'd the CEO and, of course, my terrorist, um, the lady who terrorizes me on a daily basis. Um, they instantly responded to her with concerning emails, um, the CEO and the terrorist. 
so when she well, two, oh, they gave us a day off due to the um, high volume of uh, money they made during the tax season. Uh, they gave us a paid day off. We had to choose between six days. So I took off Monday, and the receptionist also took off Monday. So we both come in Tuesday, and they asked to speak to the receptionist. Um, this terror, um, this French lady went into the terrorist and complained that um, the, the receptionist did not um, respond to her email. And you guys responded, and she didn't even care that I was in the hospital sick and da-da-da-da. So the receptionist, you know, had a great response. She said, being that you guys, she says, you got, normally I'm the only person that gets the email and she CC'd you guys and you guys responded. And being that she works directly for the CEO and the CEO responded, she didn't feel a need to, too, but she won't do that again. And that cleared her. Um, this French lady, she lives in Bedford-Stuyvesant and she's moving. So she's a gentrifier of Bedford-Stuyvesant, which is um, used to be an all-black area. Um, of Brooklyn. Um, she uses that and her great experiences with her black neighbors as her way of coming in and, you know, proving that she's not racist to me. Um, always has a story. Oh, I walk in my neighborhood and you remind me or, you know, something like that, you know. And I just find that that's very racist. Of course, I know she's a racist. Um, she goes to a black church for entertainment purposes once a month and she brings all her girlfriends with her. So she goes on to talk about how religious um, black people are and how beautiful that is because she's not religious and knows her, neither of her girlfriends. And, um, but she loves to go there for entertainment, how um, they stand up and start screaming in different languages. And I don't understand what they're saying, but they're so into it. And we just get a kick. We start taking pictures. Uh, one lady's wig came off and, you know, this was just a big thrill to her. Obviously talk about people who caught the Holy Ghost and start talking in tongues. Um, but um, she loves the singing, how they, you know, everyone's dancing around and her and her friends are just dancing in the aisles. And everyone is so accepting of them. So I thought Dylan Ruth. Um, so now this lady, she was a temp. She's permanent. Um, and her new apartment that she's moving into, um, I think she said this weekend, She's paying um, $2,500 a month for a studio, leaving Bedford Stuyvesant, where she loves to live, to live out her dream of living in Manhattan in the city. Um, so she's going to be a, in the 40s, she said, on Ninth Avenue. And, you know, I still need help to move. And my son, he came and he refused to help me because I was so unorganized. <laughs> you know, so either way, um, she, um, you know, goes on to talk about how she could walk to museums and do all these things she always wanted to do, live the New York life. Um, so when she was temping, um, her only responsibility was the CEO. So now that she's permanent, they um, decided to give her an actual partner. Now, the CEO, she comes from the tech industry, a white woman, um, because um, accounting is moving more toward the blockchain you'll find that most accounting firms are hiring tech people to run their, um, their firms. Um, so um, she's come, she doesn't do any um, accounting. So this lady really had nothing to do until she got this partner. Now, this partner she has is a big partner who's very meticulous. He throws nothing away, very organized, detail-orientated, and whoever works for him has to be the same way. And um, she's messed up several times over the last two weeks that she's had him to the point where he doesn't trust her. Uh, he said that to me. Um, she's being, 
she was being he was being covered by this Colombian girl, young girl, who was handling him and another big partner. The other big partner is all over the place, discombobulated, unorganized, and he's very rude to her because of that. So they gave French lady the other, the meticulous one, the nice one, and they gave the Colombian girl this mean one. So either way, this um, as I mentioned before, this huge file project. Well, it kicked in the overdrive because the, their lease is up, and after 20 years, they're moving to a larger office. So all this stuff we have has to be discarded or um, scanned in so it can be discarded. So I have to start moving these files. Um, when I had to do this before, I, I would have been finished with this project summertime, but the person in charge who was the white lady, the HR lady, who recently retired uh, wisely. She doesn't have to handle this big move. And also, she retired right before she screwed up my pay and um, by not taking insurance out my checks. So now in charge of this project is the lady I hate, the terrorist, which I knew was going to happen. So um, I was told, they had a meeting with us. They told us, this was last Monday, that um, we had to give all these files to the secretaries. The partners will not be handling it. Um, Give them to the secretaries. They got to go through it. I don't, they, you know, if they say no, you come to me. So that was no problem. So I um, talked to the Colombian girl and I give her some of her partner's files and she's going through them. So I go and give a bunch to this French lady who tells me she doesn't want them. She's too busy. She's trying to hire a new HR person. And, you know, like, you know, I said, listen, I, I got to follow orders, you know. So she marches into the, um, the lady's office and um you know talks about how overworked she is so they give a bunch tell me to bring those buckets over to the colombian girl which isn't isn't right it's not equitable because she this isn't her partner and she's already doing it for two other people so um either way this colombian girl is pissed off um so i said listen i'm not i'm gonna do my best not to let this go down i'm you know she's gonna have to do it i'm gonna overload you with so much of your partner stuff that they're going to make her do it, which happened, but she still refused to do it. Then she comes over and says she doesn't know how to do it. Can someone train her on it and all of this stuff? She gets trained. She still doesn't do it. So um, either way, the today, I mean, yeah, today, this happened just today. The um, Colombian girl gets told by the partner, the meticulous one, that he doesn't trust her um, handling his files anyway, so he wants her to do all of them. So she's livid. Um, so when the white lady comes over, the French lady comes over to try to butter her up with her small talk, she says, listen, I'm busy. I'm doing my work. I'm doing your work. I don't have time for small talk. You know, if it's not work-related, please just leave me alone. She's pissed off. So this white French lady goes into the office crying, crying white lady, goes into the office crying to the, um, the, to, to the terrorist who brought her into a back office and closed the door and how mean everyone's being to her and all this stuff. And, you know, afterwards, she's being beaten by this um, terrorist. Um, you know, you see how she's pretty much, um, you know, talking to her like she's a little baby now. Um, as I said before, the French people are the weakest white people in the world. They have no dedication. Um, that's why they're not in charge of the system. Um, now, the guy who calls me Shaq, this is the meticulous partner, and he refuses to call me Thomas. Um, he calls the Puerto Rican kid. Um, the Puerto Rican guy, um, co-worker I have, Cato. He calls the Dominican guy whose job I took, he got promoted, he calls him Hollywood, and the Filipino guy, Elvis. 
So I'm like, man, he only calls all of us, um, uh, all the, the non-white people, these names. But he also has a name for my terrorists, which I always wondered who he called BT, but I never asked. And that meant bipolar. And uh, this goes back to what Red said. Now he recently changed her name from bipolar to Kanye. And I mute my line, Gus. Thank you. Kanye West again. It is his universe. We are just hanging out and I guess thankful for the soundtrack. Kanye West. What does he call her? The terrorist? Does he call her Kanye? Uh like where she knows that's that's his nickname for her? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh that, that's it's on the slide. So oh, okay. when you come into the office with the Puerto Rican and the Dominican guy, they have an office together and I have to go in there sometimes to get work from them guys. Um, so either way, he'll go into that office and he'll be talking to them. They talk baseball a lot. And he has, he calls Cato. And I was, I thought Cato meant Cato Kaylee. I didn't know it meant Cato from the movie, you know, with the karate, you know, the exclusive uh, degree on it. Uh, Hollywood, because the guy dresses flashy and he calls the Filipino guy Elvis because He's um, had sideburns and he's had them all, the, all these years. He calls her bipolar because she's bipolar. But either way, um, the, um, just yesterday, he called her. Uh, he went in there and said, I just found out last week what BP was her. And yesterday he came in and said, um, BP is Kanye now. And they started laughing. And I picked up exactly on what he was saying. Hmm. Fascinating. Uh, I. My recommendation, what I've said for years, those sort of conversations do what Thomas in New York did. You're doing recon where you're just trying to learn, get information about what's being said, hopefully of some value. Uh, But to not, you know, just be caught up in the, oh, (laughs) she's Kanye. Don't get caught up in all of that because they're talking about you as soon as you, maybe even before you leave, it'll be back to, hey, Shaq, what's good now? All right, Kate. And all the rest of it. So, yeah, don't don't in any way uh, get fall into that. I know when I was more confused, I would have slipped into that myself. You're just making notes. Mm. Great time for the mm. and keep it pushing. But get excellent observation as well. Just those little things like that uh, where all of the colors in the building have a nickname where we get now this is our official title it's not thomas anymore it's not gus anymore now it's shack and cato featuring elvis on the weekends like again not on the sly real important not just something that i do on the corner and then as soon as you oh thomas good to see you sir mm-hmm, right right and then shack came in no <laughs> like uh not that at all to your face it's not even thomas anymore at all just paying attention and that's another one i mean depending on your your circumstance and where you are if you are able to contest and uh thomas not Shaq, every time if you're in a position where you're not able to do that this is the system of white supremacy we are all on the plantation number again six four one seven one five three six four zero decode Five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. I did want to say that French white woman 
any white, especially if it was a white woman in the workplace <clears throat> who is saying like publicly, now I know this might seem like uh, sexual harassment. I know this, you know, might seem like it, it violates the workplace poly. That just strikes me as really dangerous. Uh, like a white person who is behaving that way and like publicly, I just love Thomas. Like, wow, really dangerous white woman. Like I would not like, there just could not be any, any of that touching at all. Like you were saying, like immediate, whoa, watch your contact. I love that when my friend says that all the time, like watch your contact. And it's very serious. <laughs> like he always gets the, but watch your contact, watch your contact an immediate back away like she just seems extremely dangerous i would i would be extraordinarily mindful in her presence it could be no contact and even that running around the office i love you i mean that's totally inappropriate for the workplace like, imagine if that was the other way around you running around talking about whatever her name is i just love you know me some peggy like wow all day long i just love me some Pe i mean come on come on bill cosby bill cosby uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, if we have not heard from you at all, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Let me hear it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Thomas. Uh, let me quickly thank you, Mr. Firefighter. Um, she told me a story. Um, Oh man, this was three weeks ago. I had this one hot for you. Just remember this: um, that she was groped by a black man on Thirty Third Street and Second Avenue, leaving something, and he walked over and grabbed her butt. And she went over across the street back to him and put her hand in his face. I mean, you could tell she was lying. I think she was trying to just see what my response would be, being that she had to mention it was a black eye. Um, and how she told him, that's not a poopy. You have a mother and a sister or something, and you wouldn't do that now. Imagine a white woman doing that after being woke by a black guy. It doesn't make sense, but um, that's all I want to say. Thank you. Mm. Street harassing, feverish black males. Mm, mm, mm. Retired firefighter? Yes, at the... At the uh, beginning of the program i uh kind of like uh paid attention to uh one of the uh the write-ins uh where the person was talking about uh you know their part-time job was uh uh I, I think recording uh uh clips for uh on the high school level uh not only on the high school level that uh that uh particular type of culture exists uh is on uh the collegiate as well as professional level. Uh, it even goes down to uh, with uh, the little children, little league as, it, as it's called. Uh, and it's quite popular. Uh, I think I've brought it up on the program over the, over the years, probably a long time ago, you know, because uh, for someone who has been uh, involved in the, uh, the coaching business, on the high school level for such a long time, uh, I have heard it. Uh, and, uh, I would say probably to the, the players, they, they, they're not, I would say they, they're not fully aware 
of the uh, the negative uh, uh, results of, of that. Uh, I can recall uh, when I was uh, uh, young, younger, uh, that uh, one of one of the coaches, one of the white coaches that I uh, had in, in little league, uh, would call me spirit chucker, and I thought it was a compliment because <laughs> I wasn't aware of the word spirit chucker, you know, as far as that concerned, until it was brought to my attention. Of course, uh, a little bit later on, years later, actually, you know, as far as that concerned. But yeah, uh, those things like beast. Uh, the term beast mode is, is actually is from, uh, and, uh, non-white black male who's actually a professional football player that played for the Seattle Seahawks. He's now with the, uh, Oakland Raiders. I just can't think of his name right now, running back. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's quite common, quite common. Uh, yeah, my, my offspring just said, uh, Mar- uh, Marshall, uh, Marshall Lynch. Yes. He, that, that term is associated directly with him, you know, as far as that concern. And, uh, so it's quite popular. It's quite popular. Unfortunately, uh, once again, uh, uh, with the, uh, the female caller who, who brought the, uh, the issue up about, uh, the touching and she was accurate, uh, on her analysis. And I, I would say in response also, and also addition to what she was saying is that in my mind, you're, you're not going to run into a whole lot of textbook type of situations to where somebody, you know, is, is like, obviously is doing something uh, incorrect. Even some of the other coworkers is noticing it. Uh, so uh, just by, having a knowledge that we're under a global system of racist white supremacy and it's going to be saturated also in the workplace, especially if one of the places where it's going to be at is that you, you, you immediately, immediately one has to bring this to the attention of that person, uh, have different, uh, have different uh, uh, strategies on and uh, different uh, verbiage on how you uh, uh, would, would uh, insert your uh, your uh, your concerns, uh, your warnings about a situation, and you know, and uh, that I think that for the most part that would suffice uh, those type of. Uh, experiences because because the person who does that the person who the, the individual who does that does that type of touching they are very much aware i think uh that people are going to be kind of uh reluctant or slow into doing things i think jerry 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 sandusky was very uh uh, uh, uh deviously professional in his means with having these these big uh uh, organizations were fighting children and really uh, uh, getting the uh, the parents uh, uh, that that of, of the children involved in, in the trusting him and all of that kind of stuff. So the same thing in the workplace. That person is very much aware that people are going to be reluctant. So I would I would I would not be be reluctant into stating just as bold as they are to come up and do something like that with me. Or, or touch me in some kind of way, or violate my space in some kind of way. I'll be just as bold. Uh, the only thing I would I would uh, 
be guarded with is is to be as courteous as possible. Hey, I, uh, excuse me, sir, ma'am. Uh, I I I would like for you to not to do that anymore. Uh, and and it, it really, if 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 your body language and you look in that person right in the eye, that gives a determination. Although you could have a, you could have somewhat of a smile on your face, that that person would say, well, okay, this 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 lady or this guy really is serious in what they're talking about, what they're telling me. And uh, just like you know, most burglars, they're not gonna they're not gonna go into a house that has an alarm on it. Uh, they would go, rather go into the house that doesn't have a lawn and they, they would get the message. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. They will get the message. <clears throat> Indeed. That's similar to what Miss um, Manswell said, Allison Manswell at the beginning of the uh, program about that uh, unwanted touching, any of that sexual harassment uh, conduct. Uh, other folks who dialed in who have a hand up that we've not heard from at all. Uh, if you have a hand up, you should be with us. Hello, may I speak? Uh, yes, ma'am. Greetings, Irie. Hello um, to you, Gus, and everybody on the line listening. Really quick, um, wanted to tell you that I, I fell behind because of life and, you know, other stuff being able to call in and listen in, but um, I did catch up slightly um, last week and listened to your um, broadcast where you spoke on prenatal yoga, and I wanted to tell you thank you very much for this service. I commend you. I commend your consciousness uh, because um, I had my son when I was um, enlisted, so um I could have died, basically, because they wanted him to be delivered two weeks before he was due, so they induced my labor, um, which caused an infection of the ambiotic fluid, and I developed a very bad um, fever, like a hundred and like three fever, and my son also, once um, he was delivered, he had a rash all over his body because he was basically pickled by the inflamed fluid before I was able to push him out. I was not told any options about doulas or midwives or anything. They just went about it very surgically. And um, I suppose you could call that workplace racism too, because um, the military basically said, no, we need you to be back out in the field within a certain time. And, and that's too long for us. Two weeks is too long. And again, thank you um, for everything that you're doing. Um, we need you to, we need you. Um, and thanks to everybody else on the line. Um, have a good night. Thank you for, for dialing in to share that. That's what I was thinking. Like, is this workplace? Right. Cause I was going to like, what was the reason that they gave for inducing you? Cause that, we spent a lot of time talking about that specifically when they come in and it'll invariably be a suspected race soldier when they come in and give some nonsense reason. Oh yeah, we got to induce you. Like, Oh my goodness, this is, you know, the worst thing in the history is what was the excuse that they gave for inducing you? Um, they didn't give a reason. They just said, Oh, that's too, well, I, I suppose that would be the reason that, Oh, that's too long. You've, you've done enough work. Um, let's bring you in and make it easy on you. And um, what ended up happening, because they induced me um, and broke the water, I, the water was broken for about two days 
20, uh, 48 hours straight. Um, so my son was, you know, inside me without the proper protection and everything. And then I delivered. And once I was done, they basically, you know, wanted me to snap back into it like nothing had happened. Like, okay, well, you have this to do, this to do, this to do. And I was even threatened with um, what's called an administrative separation because um, because of complications I was having with, you know, my body after. They were like, you know, you're just going to be found not fit for duty soon. If you, you know, it's basically just being put back in the grinder of white supremacy, slavery, I suppose. We could just chalk it up to that. Wow. Context of white supremacy, um, most likely to die in childbirth. Highest maternal mortality rate, highest C-section rate, black females, all of the above. Uh, and that re- that was why I read that report at the beginning about the miscarriage, uh, black females having these miscarriages on the job and different pressures uh, around that workplace racism, uh, certainly. But that is very very common. Uh, we talked about that too uh, in teacher training, how much time you're supposed to take off and how long it takes the female body to uh, recuperate afterwards and how important, like in some areas, they don't even have people around uh, moms once they have given birth for can be months uh, sometimes because uh, that's such a sensitive period, but all of that is trashed in the system of racism, white supremacy for black females, especially very spend lots of time on that i didn't know people were interested in that but absolutely we could spend quite a bit of time talking about uh prenatal care and what happens to black females uh anywho workplace racism other folks who dialed in that we have not heard from uh, if you have a hand up line is open proceed can i be heard yes sir you can go ahead, sir. Okay. Uh, greetings, Gus, and greetings to all the uh, callers and listeners. Um, I typically don't call workplace racism, but I wanted to share this with you. Um, I work at a uh, at a work I work at a government uh, municipality in Illinois, and they were sponsoring an event, uh, uh, an event where uh, they talked about family and racism. Now, there were two speakers at this event. One was a known uh, black male minister, and the other one, uh, the main speaker, spoke about racism. And it's the cow's favorite, Jane Elliott. So uh, I didn't go to the event. However, I looked at the invoice of the payment of these speakers. The black male minister got paid. $1,000. Jane Elliott got paid $12,000. I will leave it at that and I will mute my line. Admitted racist Jane Elliott in the archives. You can go back and hear uh, her admitting to be a racist. The same thing happened with Dr. Welsing. Uh, She did some sort of panel or event uh, send the archives from the cows. Uh, she did an event <clears throat> and there was a white speaker and she was also on the event. The white speaker 
got like twelve thousand dollars and she got like Dr. Welsing, I think she got like six thousand five that like thousands way less for somebody who Dr. Welsing, who I'm not sure had the same sort of uh credentials as Dr. Welsing, but that is standard operating procedure and for sure workplace racism. To have admitted racist Jane Elliott come in and blue eyes, brown eyes exercise and white people are stupid and white people are stupid and get uh, Peter's map. I think it is already know her spiel. Uh, and thank you. 12. Yes. Make it out to Jane J E N E Elliot. Yes. Two T's 12. Yes. Thank you kindly. Go to the next town and do the same thing. Uh, other folks uh, who dialed in, I think it was mail caller who dialed in simultaneously or spoke up simultaneously. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I have have quite a bit um, to share, so I'll just kind of just piece it out. Uh, The first one is, and a lot of this incorporates Halloween. I don't know if anyone's made any uh, commentary on the uh, upcoming white supremacist uh, celebratory festivities because, uh, Gus, I had a conversation with uh, my supervisor and I was going to, I had like a, like a recorder camera, like a watch. Um, So I got some video of that and you know, I, I have basically, I just told, I said, uh, like all of these decorations, they have dark colors and, uh, I don't think it's very constructive and healthy for, uh, relations between people. It was something of that nature. And I think that these, uh, this holiday and these, um, participating in this, uh, these decorations and colors help promote people to be uh, in fear of black people and to mistreat black people. I said pretty much that right there, but I'm paraphrasing. And, you know, I guess you heard me out or whatever. And this was in response to an email where the, the warden sent out something about um, uh, personnel is encouraging all departments to decorate and people to dress up for Halloween. So like that was my response to that. And I'm quite sure she relayed that message. And uh, I asked a set of questions to uh, a white person who was hanging up two skulls, the day of the dead skulls. And it was on, it was in front of the black female um, marriage license office. So on one of the, my recordings, I get up and I say, uh, you know, like, what's what's going on with all these declarations? And saying, well, you know, they sent out an email, the black female says, well, they sent out an email saying that, you know, they just they want us to decorate and stuff like that. So I let a couple of seconds go by and they hanging up these two skulls, these cartoon skulls. Uh, so um, I said, so what's the, what's the purpose of all of this? And the white woman says that she's in a wheelchair. So she says, well, you know, well, for Halloween and it's just, we just want to have fun. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want it to be boring. 
So, and I said, <laughs> I said, what? I said, uh, I said, so these are two skulls, huh? And she said, no, they're sugar skulls. They're sugar skulls. I said, what is it supposed to represent? And she said, well, it's the day of the dead. And so I asked, was it celebrating death? And she said, no, it's celebrating life. And she, um, she wheels off and everybody's laughing, but I don't think they got the significance of that answer. So, um, my, my next one is, uh, there was a, a customer I heard, I think made a comment. I came back from, uh, taking the mail to the post office and it was a metaphor that was used. She was referred to as a marshmallow on a stick. And the, you know, the black female was saying, well, you know, black men, they, uh, they have a, they, they have a thing for like in bigger women. So I said, can you repeat that again? She said, yeah, that this guy was a black male customer referred to her as a marshmallow on a stick. And this was when she was explaining this to these two white women. So uh, my last one I'll share is we have a new employee, a non-white person. And she said she wanted to share a dirty joke. And she said said this to my, uh, the the black departmental supervisor, Uh, I have a dirty joke. And they kind of paused. So I said, oh, okay, here, here it is, Wilson moment. So she opened it up. Now, I have a dirty joke. And she said, well, go ahead and share it. Well, a white horse falls into the mud, and they're waiting for, they're waiting for the, what they call the punchline. And she says, that's just it. It's a dirty joke. So um, I say, now, I haven't, really, I haven't really said anything that morning. I was kind of quiet. And out of nowhere, I just kind of just, like decipher, like analyze the joke. And I would say, well, you know, uh, I said, that's interesting right there. So now the dirty joke is, is the, the horse falling into the mud? She said, yeah. And I heard this from this old couple. And I said, now what color was the horse? She said, it's, it's white. I said, I oh, thank you. Um, and so it becomes a dirty joke when it falls into the mud. She says, well, yeah. And then I said, I said, um, well, that joke, really uh refers to dark colors as something unfavorable and uh negative or something to that effect but i said uh appreciate the joke and then i just went back to my work and uh that's all i have right now and thanks for allowing me to share love it Love it. Racist jokes on the job. Wowsing moment. I would qualify that as, as a racist joke. Do you would you would you classify that as a racist joke? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cause he cause cause I mean she uh said she got it from this old old couple. That's what she said. I don't know where she was at, but she opened it by saying, I have a dirty joke. So she was already right there. Um, repeating the way the joke was shared with her. So like that right there was, I guess, the so-called punchline. And then she said it toward the black females. And I sit behind her and she was like, 
they said, well, okay, go ahead and share it. Then she says, she says, the white horse falls into the mud. And she said, that's it. It was no punchline. So she put it before that. And I was the only one that got it in the whole room. Mm. Context of white supremacy. That segment right there, the racist uh, joke from the white woman, uh, no less. Uh, That segment reminds me of Stacy when she was talking about the uh, for Negro History Month across the pond in October. They are having twerking. Not the pole dancing. They went cheap on them. They just did the twerking. I guess they didn't want to spend the extra pounds to get the pole dancing twerking combo. But that's when Mr. Fuller, when he says like workplace situations, I think when he was on this program, he explained specifically that, you know, he's like, man, I don't do any of the uh, workplace parties and all that stuff because the best that it's going to be is tacky. Great illustrations just right here on this program. This is the best it's going to be. Dirty jokes, pole dancing, twerking. That's the best you can expect in dealing with whites. And maybe they give you a nickname, Shaq, Kunta. Best it's going to be for the workplace and just getting that in mind. And I think once you get, you know, with that way of thinking, this is what to expect. And that way I'm not taking it personal. I'm not mad, you know, if they want to come in and, you know, give their nasty jokes or put up whatever kind of tacky uh, decoration, that Halloween thing, like, man, I hadn't been thinking about that just because of I've been on prenatal yoga. But I mean, yeah, that's their excuse every year uh, to come in and do lynchings. I think someone had said that someone had emailed me about that, that they were uh, putting up lynching uh, decorations. And it's always some dark uh, figure. It's not a figure that's being lynched that looks like uh, President Trump. And his wife is always something closer to, you know, the nigger they had in before he got there. Um, but uh, outstanding uh, job in asking questions. Uh, and why are we doing this? Is this being done uh, to ridicule darkness, dark colors, dark people? Why are we participating in this? What is this for? What is this even supposed to be celebrating? Like, just asking questions. But yeah, they clown. I've encouraged that for years, not participating in any of the holidays and decorations, not being involved in any of that. Sometimes they're trying to ask and see if they can make it like a, a crowdsourcing for the funding. If they have to go out and spend a lot of money on Christmas trees or candy or eggnog or all the other nonsense, I'd make that, you know, known up front as we encroach on the holiday season. Uh, I do not participate. Thank you kindly. Any gift giving or anything else? I do not participate. Number again, uh, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Always encouraged when I hear uh, Cal's listeners uh, incorporating their uh, recording devices as a part of their code, particularly if something comes up that is important, uh, so they'll have evidence. That's what I mean about making sure we have uh, evidence as we proceed dealing with things on the job. Uh, Other folks uh, dialed in have commentary.
folks are spectating. Again, this is not supposed to be our spectator broadcast, certainly not for workplace racism, unless we have got just oodles of folks who have uh, figured out how to make it so that whites do not molest them on the job. And if such, you should definitely call in and tell us how you were able to pull off such a miraculous feat. Uh, Let's see. I will try to go back and catch up because I have missed quite a few for uh, workplace racism. Let's see if I can nab. Okay. Person wrote in. I wanted to ask about the reading of the employee handbook. I've been requesting for a copy of my department's employee handbook to no avail. I've collected all emails with directives about department procedure and expected behavior. I've also printed company general policy about social media or non-complete clauses, non-compete clauses, sorry. Do you or the callers have any suggestions? I suspect the managers and supervisors are practicing racism. I agree. Uh, If it's just some sort of piecemeal, uh, here's a page here, uh, here's a section here on social media. And, you know, that is not adequate at all, uh, because then these will be the exact same folks who come around to you a month or a year later and up. You violated, see right here on page 56, you don't have that, well, you signed, you said that you agreed, said that you you already uh, agreed to it. It's a shame that you don't have the full copy. But anyway, you violated page 54 and section 9 and 10, and so we're just not going to be able to get you that bonus this time around. I'm so sorry. Man, I'm going to get Jenny. I'm going to curse her out, and then we're going to get you a handbook, and we'll see next year if we can get you that promotion. That's the sort of tacky thing that they do. So, I absolutely think it's an act of racism and I would be vigilant uh, about that on a regular basis. And going back, I've asked about the handbook. I like to be in compliance. I still don't have a complete handbook so that I can review all of the regulations and make sure that I am in compliance. Any sort of performance review, I would say I, I actually don't feel like I'm in position to even have a quality review because I still don't even have the full handbook. It's difficult for me to come in here and perform at the highest level. I don't even know everything that is expected of me. Is that, you know, preparing your employees to be successful, to do their best? They don't even have all the regulations? Question. I don't think too many people are going to say, oh, yeah, I think that's putting you in the best position to make sure that you don't have a handbook. I don't think too many people are going to say that. I would definitely bring it up. If it's any performance review, raise time, promotion time, raise time. Bring it up. I would bring it up often, consistently until it is addressed. You cannot tell me nobody in the company has a handbook. Really? That's what I mean. Come on now. Any suggestions on that one? No handbook or they claim no handbook. We just can't seem to get it to you on how you would uh, proceed. Is the HR is, um, I'm sorry. I think that was red, I think. Was that red, Nevada? Yes, um, thank you. I'm sorry um, to interrupt if the other caller wants to go. I think Thomas was. No, ma'am, you go first. Yep. All right, um, thank you. Just real quick, um, I know at least with um, many of the plantations that I have been at, 
they have the handbook and like so if if the plantation um has any like a computer like a computer system database what have you which it seems like most of them do um not saying that this person's does maybe even check online i don't know if that was mentioned or not in the in the reading i may have missed it um i know that that's something that i have done before and you can just pull it up yourself through like your jobs internal um website see if that's an option also, if you maybe have like a, if there's like a corporate office, maybe even contacting the corporate office, because usually that's where all the legal and because um, I'm assuming that, you know, the handbook would, you know, deal with legal, the legal department there, that's where it would come from if you're not getting results from, you know, where you are. Um, I'm online. Thank you. Great suggestions, Red. Thomas? Um, yes, great suggestions. And I would say, um, you know, HR department should have a copy if there is a policy. Um, if you have an HR, if not, if you're in the union, the union should be able to get that for you. Uh, even that job should have an HR, so you should be able to get it, unless you're in a real small company where they generally don't have it. Um, but um, usually you, you can get it from the HR person or um, the office manager. Uh, if you're able to, the CEO is by law supposed to give that to you. And uh, I'll mute my line. Thank you. Much obliged, Thomas in New York. Appreciate that. Did anybody else? Because I feel like we've had a, a number of folks over the years who have called in about either some sort of obstacle to being able to get a like updated, accurate, full copy of the policy and procedures. I feel like this is one that we've had uh, a few times. I generally say to folks that that is a major red flag, like in any sort uh, of business where there's a problem in getting it. Like you've asked all the appropriately, your supervisor, HR representative, you keep asking all these people and it keeps being a lot of hemming and hawing and they're not answering and you get, I mean, we've had some wild ones on this one where people get like a, a photocopied version that's not even copied well, like it's missing half a page and you can barely read it, like mm, that is a major sign this might be not might not be uh, the safest environment, the best environment to be in uh, if they're not even willing to you know, acknowledge, concede what the rules are for this place. Any other suggestions for getting this handbook? Hello, Nancy. Uh, yes, ma'am, Irie. Um, a worst case scenario, I know there's a freedom of information uh, request. Like, I don't know if that would work, but that's just one thing I know, like, legally you could do. Hmm. Um. <clears throat> right on. I had to think about. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't know if that if someone else. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to jog my memory about uh, some of the suggestions we've given to other folks in the past, where they've had uh, this sort of issue with the handbook. Was it somebody else who had a suggestion? Yeah, it's in the archive. I'm thinking like 2016 uh, specifically, we had this issue pop up and then I'm thinking a few other times as well. But uh, the suggestions that have been given thus far, contacting corporate, going online, I think those are great if they have other branches 
grand as well uh, in terms of how you can go about resolving. Let us know if you make any uh, headway uh, on this one. And sometimes, too, they'll try and change it because uh, I've noted that, too, they'll have the policy and procedure, but then they'll go through and they'll make their edits, uh, whatever rules that they want to change. And then you have difficulty getting access to the edits. So lots of, you know, different ways that racists terrorize and really withholding constructive information on the job. Uh, let's see. A uh, person, they wrote this in before. Uh, this is not necessarily a, an update. They were just, I think they had uh, raised a question before. And I'm so glad it came up today. They had raised a question about if a non-white person commits some sort of uh, physical violence or, or any sort of unwanted physical touching against another non-white person. And how should you address that situation? And I think they had said before they had concerns if it gets to a point where you need to call enforcement officials. And I'd said, hey, if that's what you need to do, proceed. That's what needs to happen. And uh, I think they had uh, perhaps thought that I or others had said that you shouldn't do that on the job. And the position I've taken, hey, when it comes to personal safety, that is not anything to minimize. Uh, we do not tolerate any sort of uh, abuse, or I do not uh, think any sort of physical uh, abuse, unwanted touching should be tolerated from anybody. And that's the exact same thing that we just said today. Uh, it's raised by the caller, hopefully being uh, consistent with things. Uh, so yeah, just to make sure that that is, uh, cemented, consistent, unwanted touching is not acceptable at all. I do know that some people say that they, they might have a little more patience uh, in how they deal with that. If this is coming from a non-white person, especially a non-white person, maybe if they have some rapport with this individual, but unwanted touching, all of that, that is not acceptable, nothing to play with at all. And especially not in the workplace, not acceptable under any circumstances, but definitely not on the job that is not something that you want to uh tolerate even for five seconds because that just that's how you end up having jerry sandusky sexually terrorizing people for 30 years like that just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling the as soon as what is uh walter beach the third what did he say you stop that one at the knees anybody non-white white first time whoa whoa this is not acceptable at all ever Other folks have uh, commentary. Uh, the person six nine four six last four digits six nine four six. Did you have commentary? Uh, good evening, Gus. Can I be heard? <clears throat> Greetings, codified software developer. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Good evening, everybody. Um, so, in terms of the the handbook, I haven't really dealt with that issue before, um, but I know nowadays in the sort of modern technocracy that we have, um, usually companies have intranets. They have some sort of internal uh, system that they, or internal website that they keep up for employees. I don't know uh, if you can access the um, handbook that way. Uh, the company I work for on their intranet, they do have a copy of the handbook and I do check it maybe every three to four months to see if there's been any updates. Uh, so that might be a good place to look if you have that. Um, <clears throat> as far as uh, my plantation, uh, just a couple of updates. 
I um I know I've spoken about the Filipino male that I work with, uh, who does phenomenal work and was a mentor to me uh when I first got in. And he's actually the reason why I get the projects that I get. I really attribute that to him because he really um he really insisted uh with our former manager, he really insisted that I get more complex projects because I was capable of them. And that's why I get these very big high priority projects now. Um, But there was this hackathon every year. uh, We do this uh, thing called the hackathon, which basically is a real cheap way for the company to get intellectual property from, um, from its employees. They have a contest uh, where people can create uh, different things and then show them to all the big wigs at the company, and they give out some decent prizes. I don't know if I'm necessarily willing to do that for these prizes. Uh, as part of my code, I just don't give away intellectual property to white people, so that's just me. And so I don't participate in this every year. But every year, uh, this Filipino male, after the first year, and we have only uh, the company's only done it for three years. But after the first year, he won, and then uh, the architecture team, the white males on the architecture team, started attacking him and saying it wasn't that great of a project, and uh, it was trash, and, you know, just sort of belittling his work. I mean, after that, he decided that he did not want to participate. But every year, that same race soldier, my former sexual or current sexual terrorist, um, comes to him and convinces him to work on a project with him. And every year he is, uh, he's sort of coerced into working on this project. And every year he's very disappointed uh, because he, he'll win because he has the ideas uh, that they're looking for, but then there's some sort of uh, demeaning uh, behavior that comes behind that. Uh, so that's one thing that I've noticed. Also, uh, I had a situation with a race soldier at work who, in a, in meetings, every time I'm in a, in a meeting with her, she's very nasty, very rude. Every time I say something, she has to contest it or come back with a very nasty comment. And I said, okay, I'm just not going to attend any more meetings with her. And so I went to the lead architect and I said, I'm not necessary for this meeting, am I? And he said, no. And I said, okay. You know, and I was good with that. And um, the the previous, the last time I was in a meeting, I was the only non-white person in the meeting or in the meeting that was not on the phone. So in the meeting room, there's a black male who attends the meeting who calls in from Philadelphia. And um, I, after she did what she did, I saw the white people literally go into Voltron mode. Like they all started laughing and kiki and ha-ha, you know, and everything else. And I said, okay, well, I'm the one with the most knowledge about this project. I'm the one with the most knowledge about the API that we're accessing to do this project. So if practicing white supremacy is more important than the knowledge about this project, that's fine. I don't have to be here. So I uh, made sure I wasn't there. And it's been going well past two weeks I haven't shown up to that meeting I don't have to deal with that race soldier and I get a lot of emails during the meeting because they have no 
knowledge about what's going on, but at that time I'm usually in another meeting, so I can disregard those. Um, last but not least, my sexual terrorist, he figured out a way to text me uh, last Friday. There was a big $25 million client of the company that bought us, and um, he texted me on Friday evening and says he needs so much help with this project. Uh, I'm the subject matter expert for the project that he was working on. Um, it's, a, it's a way for them to access information from the system of the company that I work for, and I'm the subject matter expert at this time on that system or on that, that particular part of our system. And uh, so he sort of got to harass me for a couple of days, and I had to work a couple of hours this past weekend. However, Monday, I emailed the most powerful white woman I know in the building and asked her was I supposed to be doing that. And that set off a whole email chain where it went to the VPs and everybody got involved and I got out of that. So I don't have to deal with him anymore. Um, that's all I have for right now. Thank you for allowing me to share. I'll meet my line. Context of white supremacy. Spectacular from uh, Codified Software Developer, uh, I think Mr. Edward Williams, founder of counter-racism.com, has talked about sometimes it is simply a matter of finding the white person who has the power to solve your problem. Like sometimes it could just be one white person, five minutes, problem solved. What's that? Your insurance wasn't taken care of? No problem. Boop. All done. What's that? Are you supposed to be doing this task? Hold on one second. You don't even have to do anything else. And really, uh, Mr. Williams has talked about you really love these situations where you can talk to the white person who has the power to solve this problem like immediately where you don't have to do anything else. You can go back to your desk, have your chitlin lunch or whatever else, hopefully something healthy, and then they can just come back. Problem is solved. You don't have to do that anymore or whatever. Brilliant. Uh, as for the non-white coworker who is coerced into joining and and using his intellectual talents in support of racists, as what you know, that's what happens to all of us, unfortunately. That is so common uh, where you get mistreated and are like, you know, this is ridiculous. I participate in this, and then they sit around and ridicule me and tell me my project was wow, it wasn't that good anyway. It was actually you just ripped that off from before. Yeah, it wasn't even that cool to begin. Standard operating procedure, uh, black people, and we talked about this, black people go on the job or non-white people go on the job, think you're doing well, and that's going to curry you some favor with your white coworkers. Not at all. They are jealous and hostile <laughs> as can be, and they're just motivated to practice even more racism. And you say, well, no, I don't want to do this anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm wasting my time. And, oh, no, no. We need you. Come on, join us. Come on. You love it. It'll be great. And then they rope you in to do it. And then they get to do the same thing all over again. They are astounding. And I think some of that is uh, white validation. I think we talked about that before. I think frequently, even the best of us can be, well, maybe they'll behave this time and they'll do right by me and I can get a promotion. I mean, we are in a work situation, so I can get a promotion or a raise or whatever it is. I think it, it just so many things can lull you back into that. That's why I think it can be so important to just have a code. This is what it is. This is what my decision is going to be on this. And that's that. Like it's nothing else to think about. Doesn't matter what they have to say. 
I'm not participating moving forward. Um, let's see. Situation. I thought it was one more incident that I was going to address, but I'll I'll pause there for the moment. Uh, the person, much obliged, uh, codified software developer, uh, the caller, I think, Roz, did you dial in? Roz, are you with us, sir? Yes, greetings. Greetings to you, Gus, and to the other calls and listeners. It has been a while. Um, I just wanted to chime in. I chimed in kind of late. I had, um, I've had an interesting last year. So this is my pretty much my entire update. I'll try and keep it brief. So uh, June of last year, I lost my job. And this was June 2nd. June uh, 29th, which was actually my wedding anniversary, we lost my wife's father. So I took the entire six months from June to December to eke out my unemployment, just get that out the way and use that time because I was the executor of his estate to facilitate getting his estate taken care of because I needed that time. So it's like I lost my job. I was laid off at the exact time that I needed to because weeks later we lost him. And it was unexpected, even though we knew that he was elderly, it was still unexpected. So fast forward to December 7th of last year, I got my last unemployment check and within a week to two weeks after I cashed that check, I'd gone on, on the interview to this place and I got the job. So I've been there now. It'll be a year, December 7th. Now, the interesting part is I work because we always talk about mental health and especially the mental health of black people. And I, the company I work with deals with mental health. It's a startup company. And I've always suggested to um, black people, if you can, join a startup because startups are places where, um, just from my experience, and this is something I've canvassed quite a few people, especially black people at these locations, they have all come to a similar consensus as me, at least in New York City, which is they treat you like a human being when you go for the interview. You go for the interview, you know, if you, you know, they're, they're, and when I say that, I mean in the sense of they're not asking you to take a drug test, they're not going to put you through any kind of extra curriculum nonsense like that. They're just really looking for whether you can do the job, how good you are, and maybe what your background is that will give you the, the, uh, the, uh, the skills to do the job. And that's been my experience. A lot of these places have unlimited pay time off, um, or if not that, they also like give you gourmet lunch every day of the week. So there's benefits to working in that environment as a black person that you don't get working outside of the start, startup field. So in this one now, I transitioned. It's a mental health facility. And um, I was able to negotiate some things without having to go through the government. Normally, I end up getting FMLA because I have a, a medical condition that causes me to have problems with my vision intermittently. And normally, I have to go through the process of getting the paperwork, having my doctor fill it out, bring it to the company once they fill it out, and then I get a certain amount of time that I can use at my leisure if I'm not well that I can take off. And eventually, if then every year has been bad because of the way the weather's gone and, and just the way my con condition has developed. <clears throat> so the time will eventually run out depending on how bad it is. And then I would have to 
um, basically just suffer like heck through the rest of that time until I replenish it. So at this company, I was able to actually just have a conversation with them. I didn't give them too much detail, but I just let them know that I had a, had a specific condition. And I said, normally I get FMLA. And I told them, kind of, I gave them an idea of what it was and the fact that it was intermittent. And I said, look, I would prefer if you can, if you allow me to um, have the ability to work from home. Because I said, if I'm traveling, when I come in contact with these allergens between work and home, it can facilitate worse situations down the world. So if I have the opportunity to avoid that, it actually allows me to be more productive. I would just be able to be productive from home rather than being in the office. So they actually came to an agreement, wrote this stuff up, and I'm able to call out if I'm not well or if um, I, I also have the option of being preemptive in that, in that regard. So it's made my job a lot easier in that regard. It's also helped me in the sense that I don't have to see them. If I want to take a mental health day, I could just work from home and call it my mental health day or just call off for that day. Um, so it was a situation I was able to negotiate just by having the right conversations with the right people. And I was able to get that facilitated. Now, specifically, I'm moving forward to today because today we had a conference. It was a conference in Midtown Manhattan um, dealing with mental health of uh, teenagers and then um, basically young adults because the comp- company is now moving forward with facilitating the mental health of teenagers and adults now. So they were discussing this and um, giving different statistics and Michael Phelps was there because he um, is one of the spokespeople for the company and, and also an advocate of mental health. So we're there today and they said something that was pretty interesting to me. They said that I believe it was 50% of 16 to uh, 18 year olds have mental health problems in this country. And then they said that when they go from 18 to 25, that by the time a 24, 25 year old graduates from college in this country, they said that that 75% of the people in that age of 24, 25 have mental health issues. And that just says to me, that shows how well white supremacy works. It has deteriorated our society to the point where 75% of people 24, 25 years old that you bump into, which is the majority, have some mental health issues, which is a spinoff of the way the system functions. So when you put those numbers and you just take it out of the everybody category and just specifically focus on black people, who have had the intergenerational trauma that's unaddressed and the daily um, trauma that is remains unaddressed. And then on top of that, they go through this system, school and all of that. And by the time they get out of school, the, the I'm sure the number, numbers might be even higher for black people because of our situation. And it just gave me pause for thought because if they're saying this is taking the demographic of the whole country and they're saying 75% of these people have this issue, then it's always worse for us. And that is why mental health is so exceptionally important and our ability to really, really respect each other and show each other um, the, the, just the common courtesy of being understanding because you never know what another black person is suffering. It was made em- emphatically clear to me today in this conference. And um, I just have to say that thankfully, I've transitioned into a situation that has improved greatly for me on a level that it allows me to mitigate my life in the best way possible with less stress. 
Um, and again, I would just advocate for startups. They pay top dollar, <laughs> straight up top dollar. Like I said, you might, you might look up with a place that has a limited paid time off. The place that I work at, luckily, is one of those places. So I've happened back into that situation, which is also positive. So just take advantage of it. There's a, a website. I've talked about it before. It's called www.angelist. That's A-N-G-E-L-L-I-S-T dot C-O. That is the largest startup company, um, startup uh, uh, job finder site in the world. And they have uh, startup jobs, not just in New York, but everywhere across the country, West Coast, um, as well as overseas in the UK and in other countries as well. So just check it out. See, see what they have. If, you're, um, if your skills or well, whatever field you're coming from, you find a job in that field, you'll be able to get top dollar and get a lot of benefits and hopefully treated better. Not saying that you won't have racism and white supremacy, because I have seen it before. It's just that um, you have a better way of mitigating your life to maybe decompress and de-stress if necessary. Thank you so much for that, Gus. Um, excuse me. Thank you for this show. And um, I'll mute myself and just continue to listen. And hopefully if I can help someone else, I'll do so. Well, grand to hear from Roz, as usual. And uh, that is... Wow. We don't too many times have reports where people can say, yes, things have improved drastically on the plantation. But I think this would be one of the rare occasions. Uh, I am so glad to hear that things, I mean, paid time off, limited paid time off and able to negotiate in the contracts. You can uh, work from home and, you know, your health is maybe not optimal. It'd be best for you to not have to come in or you can get a mental health day. Things are not pleasant in the office. I'll take a day where I can get work done and, and forget all of that. That is awesome. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. I say that all the time. People have figured out some things to work well for you on the job uh, and sharing information, angellist.co. I think you said angellist.co. Uh, for folks, if you uh, are looking for some of the startups to see if you can perhaps switch to a better situation on the plantation, but that is spectacular. Uh, very glad to hear that uh, from Roz and able to use your time and energy well in between when you were, you know, making your uh, transition to take care of some of your uh, in-laws' estates and other projects. I mean, hey, excellent use of time and energy. I hope you're able to stay there as long as, as you wish. Make it work. That is uh, always grand to hear. If other folks, if you if you have positive experiences where things have worked out well, always appreciate hearing that. It can inspire other folks, especially that part about working in, into your contracts that you can work from home. I have heard that from other uh, victims of racism, and sometimes it might just be a speaking up during the hiring process because it might be a situation even where the company, they might not even have that as a general policy where they allow their employees to work from home, but you brought it up with a medical condition and you got it in your contract. I've seen that happen before where, you know, people, for whatever reason, they were able to get that privilege so that they could go home or, you know, whatever else they happen to need. So, Awesome. Uh, so glad to hear that. Hopefully that will inspire others. Speak up during your hiring process. See what you can get. Thank you, Gus. Excuse me for interjecting. I just wanted to speak to what you just said briefly, because they, they we work on laptops there. And intermittently, if a person has a problem or has a flu or something, they'll let you work from, from home. But 
there's specific pe- people who do not work in the office. They work in other parts of the country who work remotely all the time. So my request was unique in the sense that it was centered around the medical condition. So what I did was I just spoke up, like you said. I said, well, I know we have this ability because I took my, my laptop home regularly because last winter it was so bad. The trains were breaking down. We got hit with a couple of heavy storms and I wasn't able to go in. So, so those were the circumstances under which I had started working from home. And then I just said, well, let me speak to this now because it's always been an issue and I'd rather deal with the company directly than go through the government with FMLA. I can always do that at any point if, if it comes to it, but I prefer to take the path of least resistance, which would have been that. And I was able to just have the right conversations, like I said, um, with my supervisor. And then actually they brought in HR and they actually specifically wrote up the contract for me, centered around this condition. And I was like, wow, this is awesome because basically it's FMLA without government regulation. So instead of having a set number of hours that I'm given, I can do it at any point. And I make a point not to abuse it, but I do use it to my advantage because this is a system of white supremacy and I'm not having that. So I just wanted to say that and just kind of give a little more context. So if someone else is in a potentially similar situation, you know, hopefully my what I did might give them the um, impetus to try it on their end as well. So thanks again. I'm sorry for interjecting. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Absolutely. I think more folks need to be made aware of that. I think sometimes uh, we're just not available of, you know, we're just asking questions. Or as I think I was saying when I was talking to a codified software developer, uh, asking questions or questioning the correct white person who has the power where they could actually do something about your situation. I think more of us uh, need to know, you know, those types of things are possible on the job. Sometimes it's just using words, talking to the correct white person. Uh, the number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate i think stacy in the uk still hanging with us three thirteen a.m friday morning in london are you with us stacy i guess <clears throat> um can i add a few more things yes ma'am um, just going back to um, the stripper gate, or rather twerk gate, same thing. Um, the the actual um, sorry, I'm just moving. The actual um, uh, we're back. Proof that greeting, sir. Can want... I uh, speak again? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I, I was uh, would like to just make a, another report uh, that I could wait until Saturday, but uh, this is this would be a clinic on uh, a real a real harsh clinic on uh, the advent of of uh, how white people actually pay attention to their non-white black employees. Uh, down here in South Florida, uh, over the past week, there have been five, five enforcement officials, 
law enforcement employees, uh, sworn quote unquote officers who uh, have been indicted. Uh, three of them are with the city of Miami Police Department. Uh, and there are two others who are with uh, corrections. The three that are with uh, the city of Miami uh, have been arrested uh, for assisting uh, uh, drug deals, drug quote-unquote drug dealers, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm trying to think of the 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 activity when in law enforcement gets involved with them, as far as uh, kind of like looking out for uh, some other rival group uh, and or you know some other activities. Uh, uh, nevertheless. Uh, uh, and and and, and, the, and the, the the sad thing about it is, two of the three of the three employees had about twenty had about to, as far as combination about fifty years of employment, and they put they put their uh, their confinement as well as their finances and, and a lot of other things because I'm pretty sure there are some family members of somebody who who uh, depends on them. All at risk for seventeen thousand dollars. For seventeen thousand dollars, the other person is kind of like more recently has been employed, but nevertheless, it's it's certainly it's a clinic on. Yes, uh, racist white man and woman do pay attention to you on a on a job. Uh, with the uh, correction correctional officer. Uh, uh, that particular situation it's a typical uh contraband uh situation that takes place with uh, the employees uh they're primary primarily they're the ones not the quote unquote inmates but they're the ones who actually uh bring in the uh the the uh things that uh, uh the 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 uh the prison system actually states that the inmates are not to have as well as uh, narcotics and whatnot, and, and they were bringing it into it. And you know, and like I said before, uh, for the risk that uh, these people, these uh, non-white people, were taking, it's not even it's not even worth it as, as far as what kind of punishment uh, they are. They are if they did what the news stated that they did do. Uh, I'm talking about, I mean, the sentences can be as much as, as far as what the news reported, 30 years or more, you know, that sort of thing with some, some of these uh, uh, charges that's, that's on them. And uh, matter of fact, one of the, uh, uh, because they, they gave uh, 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 credit to, negative credit to one of the officials uh, that uh, she actually sold her uniform sold her uniform uh, to someone to, with the idea of mind to make a hit on someone else. It, I guess they were going to put on the police uniform and, 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 and kill somebody. You know, it got to that extent, uh, which, you know, it's it, it, it just an example that, that uh, yes, white people do pay attention to their employees on the job. Now, I mean, there's some smaller situations that take place on the job, you know, for, you know, stealing, stealing things, taking things, and there's a camera right there, but you're not aware of it, 
or they're paying attention to you all the while and some other employee uh, basically uh, uh, give that information to uh, whoever, you know, but so, yes, that, that's, that's something that uh, uh, even through my years on the fire department has uh, really uh, 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 gotten to uh, several uh, fellow non-white black employees. And that's, that's my report. Thank you. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Um, black people are under surveillance on the job all over the world. Emphasize that cannot be stressed enough. You are under surveillance. Uh, we got disconnected briefly, but we are back. Stacy is with us. She was giving us the update on the twerking situation. Stacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just going to add. Um, I mean, you made the comment that they were sh they they short changed us with the po uh, pole dancing, but in fact they didn't. I think they were just extra slick in the way they went about it because there was a link to the trainers um, website and for all the other activities that they promoted for um, Black History Month. None of those other events had links to other people's sites so it was subliminally subliminally done um and i just want to say the other reason why i really thought about whether or not i would say anything about it is because there was one more resignation on friday and it was the non-white male who heads up the team that or, or the sort of uh, portfolio that deal with some of the issues around social integration and uh, diversity, etc, etc. And I will talk a lot more about him and his experience in the organisation at another point. But something told me that these um, people were pushing that agenda to set him up. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't have any sort of direct evidence of this, but I just found the whole thing very suspect. So, as we know, you can be a non-white person in a seemingly senior role and not have any real control or any power. Um, I don't know the extent to his power and his involvement in that event, but, you know, I'm just deeply suspicious. So that was the other reason why I didn't say too much. Um, and as I mentioned, I work in a political organisation and when I went back to work, there were various duties palmed off to me that other people had led on in the past. Um, but because of racists, they're being particularly tricky. I thought, you know, I, I realised what was going on and certain things I did push back on, but not everything because, you know, they would use that against me at some point. Now, one of the projects uh, or pieces of work that I now lead on is to do with uh, questions that come in, um, on a monthly basis, now they get handled in two ways. They're either written responses um, or they are um, treated verbally. So there will be some kind of cross-party um, uh, uh, meeting and it's open to the public and those oral questions are submitted to the political lead and he responds and he's asked questions of him by various different people. So there are hundreds of questions that can come in each month and they get alloc allocated to each policy team. 
and I'm now coordinating the process for the unit that I'm or the team that I'm in. And uh, the first month uh, went okay. I mean, I, I've I've had to write responses before, but this is the first time I've had to lead the process as a whole. And because of the, uh, I mean, you literally have to turn these things around in two days. And depending on um, the questions that come in and how many is allocated to your team that month, you may have to engage with various people across the organisation. And certainly the levels of sign-off are quite high. So by the time the political um, lead for the unit that I'm in had given comments, um, it was forwarded to me, and it wasn't forwarded to me directly, so she'd given some comments on some of the questions. And one of them, the reference number was incorrect, or um, there was a line that I couldn't find in, in any of the responses that went to her. So I thought, well, this doesn't seem right. So I flagged it, copied in my head of team, but also copied in uh, racist suspect male who then coordinates the process for the director as a whole I said something's not right here anyway he didn't come back to me so I figured he'd sorted the problem whatever then I went on leave came back this was the beginning of October and all of a sudden you know um, my manager and I would just have a catch up and she said oh a couple of small things that I need to pick up with you and I thought small there's nothing small you're bringing it up to me so you, it's definitely it won't be small but I didn't know what it was at that point. Anyway, so um, she said that, um, oh, no, sorry, I had actually at that point, I'd, I'd, I was working at home the day before. So I'd seen an email from another person in the team who would said, oh, the political lead wants to know because it ended up that what, what happened, because it ended up that one of her corrections got published and it didn't have the changes that she made. And the, the slickness about why this person wrote this email email was that oh and because I'd just taken over the process they want to make sure that I'm clear so the subtext there because it's written in you know seemingly nice way but the subtext is that the error is mine so I thought hmm so I emailed them and I said uh is this now resolved because I checked all my emails and stuff and I didn't make an error um they didn't answer me and that's when my manager said oh we'll, we'll, we'll catch up and go through various things so um uh, so I said, well, I don't think I did make a mistake. And this is the situation. And she said, well, the, the, the racist suspect male, he did forward one of my emails and he did say that I had flagged that there was a problem. So I said, well, yeah, so is this now resolved? Um, she said, well, maybe you should sit down with him and, and go through a process or whatever. But, you know, she's acknowledging it wasn't my fault. But obviously that's not in line. Anyway, um, so I emailed him. That was last month. He hasn't come back to me as yet. In the meantime, another set of questions came in for the, the next period. And I tried to meet with him to go through a process, you know, and to go through um, how we allocate the questions and various things. And, you know, he says yes. And he'll meet with me. And, it, it, you know, the whole process seemed to get worse because lots of people were meddling this time round the oral questions are handled differently and they knew a week before that this oral question was coming in they're all discussing it in the office and I know nothing about it so I picked that up with my manager and I'm thinking hang on a minute here 
you're raising issues and you're excluding me from the process. So I just sort of made notes of that. Um, and there was one point where he was sending emails around the place and he, uh, my manager emailed him and told him, can he make sure that he keeps me copied in? So, you know, there was an acknowledgement there that obviously he wasn't communicating with me. Anyway, so that this month's questions come around. And I thought, OK, I'm going to now make sure that I've got a clear process in place. So I created uh, a new file instruction on the, the, the computers so that everybody knows exactly where to save their drafts. And when we get various levels of a sign off, the, the, next, the new version is saved in a different folder because it's been cleared. And what I said to everyone is, as you, as you edit your drafts, make sure when you email them to me, you attach them to the email. Uh, and I sent them a link to where the folders are and various instructions on what they needed to do. The non-white female who um, I had put in a grievance again against um, because she was defending the little race soldier who lied about me shouting. Um, she was experiencing some extreme anti-blackness. So she decided that she wasn't going to take any notice of what I said. So she saved the documents in a completely different way and didn't attach the, the, the um, uh, basically didn't follow any of my instructions. I thought, oh no, we're not doing this. And the thing is, the reason why I did it wasn't to do with her, but it was to do with, um, obviously they tried to set me up the month before, which I don't think, well, she, well, I, I doubt she was aware of all of that. So I emailed her back and what she did as well, she decided to copy in my line manager, who is her line manager, which was totally unnecessary. But I thought, OK, so you obviously um, wanted to let the white people know um, that you're doing this because she likes to bring white people in, even though I speak to her directly, she likes to bring white people in. So I thought, OK, well, soon as you've got the white person copied in, I'm going to now email you back and ask you to do things in exactly the way that I've set out because I set out a process which went to the whole team. Um, and then I emailed the rest of the team separately and, I, and gave them and reminded them of what I'd actually asked them to do. So she then sent me, um, she, she saved the documents in the way that I asked her to do. Only one had the wrong reference number on and she'd attached somebody else's response to a question that they were working on. So then we're having this conversation and she keeps copying in the white people. So fair enough, keep copying the white people in. I will then email you back. And I will copy in everybody that you choose to copy in. Um, and that will highlight some of the errors that you've got as well. Until the extent where she decided that it probably wasn't worth her while copying in the white people. So she took them off the email chain. I thought, well, there you go. And um, then what happened is eventually we've got all the questions. The head of team is now due to sign them off. The racist suspect male is still not communicating with me properly. He's supposed to be chasing responses on some of the questions that had to go to the other teams. Um, I've got the non-white female interjecting on stuff saying that it sh we, d we shouldn't be comment on it. And, that, you know, she has no authority to say that, and not least because it needed political sign-off. So I just made clear that we do need to get it um, cleared at this end and um he obviously was ignoring me so i think they have conversations when i'm not around and they decide to do something quite different anyway i asked him who he'd ch um, been chasing for one of these questions and he wouldn't it, you know i knew he didn't do it so in the end i just ended up following up myself then the questions should have gone up to the political lead for sign off day before 
the main politician is due to actually have this public event. He's not got the sign-offs. The emails had sat in his, his, his inbox for four days and the head of team suddenly realised that we hadn't got sign-off. And she asked him, uh, uh, should I chase them? He'd literally sent them up a minute before her email. So the, the long, I, I just, I was in the background laughing my head off because they had tried to set me up. I had a clear process, clear email chain. And literally if, he, <laughs> that, now what happened, she went up, she then went upstairs to the political leader who was fuming because she had just received the, all of the information last minute. The feedback I got suggested that the, the political leader had tried to blame me, but obviously they couldn't blame me because it clearly wasn't me. And she got reprimanded. So whether they tried to set me up the month before and undermine me during this process, the whole thing worked its way around. And eventually it, it basically worked out the worst for all of them. So now this month, because what I'd done in between is I did man by manager and said, oh, well, I've tried to meet with this now. He won't, he won't, we haven't been able to meet shall we sit down and have a meeting and can you join us so that we can set a process so now all of a sudden my head of team says oh i think we need to um sit down and set up a process because i i don't really understand all of the detail and how, how all the levels of sign off so um if you can follow up on it so she's presenting it as if it, it's her idea and i just laughed away i'll meet my line there gus mm. Blame it on the Negras. Find some way. Incidentally, as you were sharing all of that, I was reminded, I think, like years back uh, when we started workplace racism as uh, like its own separate uh, entity. One of the first audio segments that I played was from Carter G. Woodson's Miseducation of the Negro. And... <clears throat> He has a portion in the book where he uh, is talking about uh, black people on jobs not wanting to listen to black supervisors uh, and saying that if they bring in a white person, everybody behaves. But if it's uh, another non-white person, they won't listen and doing various things to sabotage and not listen to them because they don't want to take orders like that being a very common problem it reminded me of that when you were sharing uh this victim i guess contacting other white people and being so codified i noticed you didn't give us your weekly update on your self-assessment but being codified uh with this individual and oh she's gonna be roping white people into it didn't sound like you started name calling her and cursing her just oh okay she's roping white people. no problem make a little adjustment in my code and how i'm conducting business and still trying to get things done outstanding and that's another one do not be surprised about if you're in a position where you end up becoming the black supervisor uh on the job don't be surprised uh if you end up having non-white people who function in this manner where they're not really listening to you or seeming like they're trying to rat you out to white people even if you didn't do anything incorrect we have all been greatly victimized brain trashed uh, i saw uh, some folks who had dialed in uh, who had a hand up that we didn't hear from, uh, you can press star six one. The number again, six four one seven one five three six four zero. The code five six four nine four three pound. Uh, press star six one if you have commentary. Don't wait till the last minute. You can go ahead and 
get a hand up. Uh, I will be on the lookout for other hands if folks have other comments, questions uh, that they want to get in before we wrap up. We have about 20 minutes or so uh, remaining in the broadcast. Uh, other folks uh, have comments that they wanted to make sure they share. While folks are pondering, uh, again, we'll be here tomorrow. The book club will be back to the normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. This Saturday, uh, we'll wrap up Black Love as a Revolutionary Act mercifully. Tomorrow evening, 8 p.m., we'll be looking forward uh, to our finishing thoughts. Uh, Incidentally, I can give out a homework assignment. Any of the folks, especially if you plan on participating in the book club, live or archived tomorrow, uh, if you can think of a book, I was going to say if you can think of one that we covered on the cows, that would be uh, primary. If you can think of a book that we covered on the cows or just in general, but preferably one that we've covered on the cows that is explicitly, exclusively anti-black female. If you can think of one written by a black person, that would be grand homework assignment as we get ready to wrap things up for tomorrow. Uh, Other folks have comments they wanted to share workplace racism. Can I be heard? Caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I had a, a about two or three more I wanted to share. Um, there was a comment made when there was a customer that came in to get a marriage license. It was an older white couple, couple, and uh, the black female before she changed seats. The white man kissed the white woman. I guess whoever was his. Um, wife or whatever they were about to get married and she looks over to he looks over to the uh, black female and says uh, I see you looking at I see you look I see you over there looking at me do you want to uh, do you want to kiss next do you want one next and you know she starts like laughing I guess and says well the way that you was looking at me you look desperate so uh, the, the supervisor walking out she didn't say anything and then you know I just pretty much just stayed because I was in like the other side of the office or whatever and I heard this and you know I try not to talk about racism but she, he said that she looked desperate and uh you know and she's gorgeous and this and that so um major act of white supremacy aggression right there in, in front of the white wife and she laughed right along with him. So uh, double racist assault right there. Uh, the, the next one was we have a, a black male running for governor in, uh, in Florida, Andrew Gillum, a white woman who shares these newspaper articles. She said that she was uh, driving.
driving into work one day and she saw a campaign ad being, or it had been vandalized where like the, the design of an Andrew Gillum uh, campaign sign, the state of Florida uh, uh, shapes as a G and someone marked out the blue part of the uh, state of Florida, so it would spell out kill him, Andrew kill him. So they they uh, covered Andrew, and it just says kill him, like it spelled out kill him, almost like a threat. And uh, she said she called and reported it to the sheriff's office. Um, and uh, that's, the, that's the only ones I have to add. Thank you. Much obliged. Uh, the racist jokes on the job and Mr. Gillum continues to be victimized all the way, I guess, through whenever the election wraps up in the next few days. But uh, that was the one where uh, the white male that's running against him said, don't monkey around with things. Elect this nigger for the office. That was a few weeks back. They had the big to do about that. And wow. The big races, the one in Florida and the one in Georgia where they've got black people, uh, black female. I think Stacey Abrams running for governor in uh, Georgia. Be lots of this the next few days uh, winding down to the election. You can pay attention. If you're in either of those states, I would be mindful of that on the job. Any of those conversations, I would not participate. Somebody ask you, are you going to vote for that Gillum fellow? I don't know. Have to get a little bit more information. Do the same thing that they do because white people don't tell you who they're going to vote for generally uh, publicly on the job. So I would not participate in any of that. If you want to listen, ask questions, do that. But I don't know anything about it. I'll have to do a little more studying on uh, Miss Abrams and Mr. Gellum, see what their what their views are and if I'll give them my vote, even if you say that much about it. Other folks who dialed in have uh, commentary that they wanted to share. the person that dialed in on the vote line did you have commentary yes sir hey this is a black male engineer i had a question um i remember you speaking earlier about finding the right white person or a powerful white person that can make something happen on the job but i had a question in that what if you are part of an organization in which they want you to work out any problems with the people on your level before you go to the next higher person. So I guess, like, how do I get to the powerful white person and at the same time fulfill that requirement so when the powerful white person takes action, everyone doesn't think I just, quote, unquote, went behind their backs. Great question. Uh, I think you can be direct. I know retired firefighter and many other folks have been big advocates of being direct in addressing situations. So I'm trying to think of a if you have a specific incident, you can think of one. But I'm just thinking of examples that have been listed uh, recently here that tonight and recently on the workplace racism broadcast. If someone is not calling you by your correct name. Uh, if it's any sort of unwanted touching, <clears throat> these are violations where you can address that right now. 
I don't, I mean, you can certainly uh, go to other folks, but right now with that person, whoever it is that put their hand on you or is not uh, calling you by your correct title, letting them know directly. Now, if this continues, you document, you bust out your recorder or whatever, you document, okay, so this happened today, the 25th, this happened last week, boom, boom, boom. So this has happened two, three times, which is two, three times too many. Now we try to see if we can get the white person uh, who can solve this problem like immediately. Now we want them to intervene and it's did exactly as you all have outlined. Once, twice, three times. How many more times do I have to directly address this? And if it's another step, if it's someone else that I should go talk to, let's do that. But I've told this person repeatedly and they insist on violating me and touching me or whatever it is. They insist can we get this problem solved? That's generally the way that I would try to go about things. Does that does that make sense, or is your situation making it difficult to to perform in that manner? That 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 makes a lot of sense. And um, my situation is a little different, but that pretty much applies to what I can do. And like my situation is just um, they're withholding information. So I can do my job, um, fix airplanes. So some of the information that I need is pertinent to like getting the job done and getting it done safely. And I've just come to experience that white people tend to not care about a lot of the things they say they care about, safety, um, people's lives, money, saving money when it comes to perpetuating white supremacy. And I think it's just because they don't want me to learn the necessary skills on the job. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, go I was just going to agree uh, that I think we've seen that consistently, heard even some of that this evening, I think, uh, where black people in particular performing well on a job, they generally, that's not the type of thing that's, yes, we're going to celebrate and be, you know, overjoyed about that like no not at all let's find a way we can slow this nigger down maybe we won't give him as much information or we'll move his desk you know five times around the office that sort of thing but yeah i would just as i outlined with the previous incidents i would outline like okay i'm not getting necessary information i'm checking in with my supervisor or you know whomever else i checked with in with them today i checked in with them last week consistently these are the questions or the emails where i'm coming in this is a great one where you can use email communicate because then you got the evidence i sent the email exact date time and whether or not they responded if it's a bevy of non-responses can't now you find the white person who can solve this problem in the next five minutes let's get this done and permanently resolved so that i don't have to come back and talk to you because you got other problems and i got things to do let's get this permanently resolved so that i have the information at the time when i need it so I can efficiently get things done. Uh-huh. Hey, thanks, Gus. I, I appreciate that. That that actually helps me a lot. I appreciate that. For sure. Uh, other folks uh, or other person who dialed in, uh, if you're on the vote line or whatever it is, uh, line should be open. Um, yes. Greetings, Gus, and uh, to the cows listeners. This is Scotty from North Carolina. Um, I just wanted to chime in on and give a suggestion to the last caller. Um, actually, I actually dealt with a situation like that where I was working on a third shift job. Um, the job was working um, in a, for a dyeing company where you dye uh, pieces of cloth 
to the customer's specification. And so you have to run the formulas through a computer to try to hit the uh, the target color that the uh, customer wants. And there was a white male who, who worked first shift and I worked third shift. Um, no, he actually worked second shift and I worked third shift and we basically did the same thing. And he would hide the folders with the evidence, with the information in it uh, so that I could not process uh, those particular orders because I was doing a lot better job than he was. I was, you know, it was taking me a short, a shorter amount of time to hit, you know, the formula on the mark. And, you know, he didn't like that. I guess he figured we're making him look bad or whatnot. He would typically hide the folders. Now, um, I did not deal with that situation um, properly. I um, would simply just look through all the drawers and whatnot, trying to find the folders. And interestingly, it was another white male friend of his who told me that this guy was purposely uh, hiding the folders. Um, so I didn't deal with that situation properly, but in retrospect, um, what the last caller was talking about was the chain of command. Um, I spent an, a number of years in the military and that's very important to cha chain of command. And it typically translates over into the civilian world as well. So how I would handle that situation differently would be that I would not, I don't want to use the word confront, but I would talk to the person and say, hey, um, you know, I'm not able to find these folders. Can you make sure that they're in the proper place so that I can do my job at night? And if it persisted, then I would, I would possibly say to that person that, you know, if this persists, then I'm going to have to take it up high, up higher, um, you know, to our supervisor, to our department supervisor. And, so if I was that person, like, for example, the example that he used, if I if I uh, wanted to get to the more powerful white person, you know, who's almighty on the job above everybody else and my immediate supervisor didn't handle something to my satisfaction, I think it would be more codified to tell that person before you went up higher that I'm not satisfied um, with your resolution or non-resolution of this issue, I still um, having problems or whatnot. And do you think uh, that I need to speak to someone above you? And so, you know, a lot of times them supervisors don't want you going over their heads or they don't want, you know, their higher ups to uh, be aware of any problems um, that they are not handling properly and they may resolve it because they don't want you to go up, uh, up, you know, higher. And if it still doesn't get resolved, well, you've given them notice that, you know, I'm willing to take this above your head if necessary. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Mr. Scotty Reed, founder of the Black Talk Radio Network. Much obliged uh, for the suggestion. I know uh, anytime that it's, I know in this situation, you were talking about whites uh, sabotaging and, withholding constructive information, but I know uh, some of our previous listeners, guests, they uh, big time recommend the letting them know, like in a preemptive manner, 
uh, that, hey, we've had this problem and I'm, you know, talking to you, not confronting, as Mr. Reed said, but um, I'm trying to talk to you directly, you know, to see if we can handle it amongst ourselves. And if it persists, then I'm going to have to talk to such and such, whoever, you know, higher up the chain, as they say, letting them know if it's a black person. Some folks have said if it's a white person, maybe I give them that courtesy. Maybe I don't. I think Mr. Mead makes a, a phenomenal point about a lot of folks taking that sort of thing personally uh, and maybe trying to get some form of retribution or getting upset. Like, who is this, you know, going over my head and talk to such and such uh, about a problem. But uh, I do think that is excellent uh, way to proceed. If it is a non-white person to let them know I'm trying to resolve this between us without, you know, going to other folks, see if we can get this taken, hand, uh, taken care of. And then if it persists, I'm going to have to go and talk to them might be the best way to handle things overall. You can make that decision uh, for yourselves. Uh, other folks, did any other folks have suggestions on how to deal with the situation? The most recent caller uh, with them withholding constructive information. He's trying to get these airplane. Heavens forbid we have another plane fall out of the sky. Uh, any other suggestions uh, for how he's trying to deal with this situation? Can I be heard? Codified software developer. Uh, yes. Um, so great points by Mr. Reed and by you. Um, in terms of withholding information, I would um, I would send out emails and I would and I would blind copy your your manager or whoever is above this person. Um, I would send out emails asking for this information so that you have some sort of paper trail uh, so that when you do have to go above their head, that person that you're going to has the information. They know that uh, you've been asking for this. And, uh, and I would make sure in those emails to say, I've asked you for this and I haven't received it. Are you able to give this to me? You know, make sure that you emphasize that you have already requested this information before. Um, that's all I have. Thank you. Great point. Emphasizing this is uh, recalcitrance, as they say, <laughs> where we consistently ask and it's not being delivered, or this is a uh, perpetual problem where it's not just one week uh, where I don't have the information that I need, or it's not there in a timely manner that this is happening over and over and over, so that that's a part of the record. Uh, other folks uh, with suggestions or last comment they needed to make sure they get in before we get ready to wrap things up? Folks satisfied for the evening. Hi guys. Stacy in the UK, almost four AM Friday morning. Yay. Um, you asked me about my um performance against my myself, um my my cold. Um I'd say I'm about ninety-five percent. So I'm actually quite pleased with my progress. I did invoke the codification of the software developer, if I do say so myself, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the non-white female in the who, who, who works on the same floor as me, the one that named my hairdo or compared the hairdo to Bodeck, she went away to Greece or somewhere for one of her friends getting married, Czech female, oh, sorry, uh, a female from Czechoslovakia, 
and apparently now this this uh, non-white female is uh, heavily melanated and her hair is natural and she has very 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 thick hair and she was at the, apparently at the wedding and the mother of the bride came over to her and asked her if she could touch her hair because it's so strange to us and also then asked to touch her face and she was telling me this story and I uh, just I mean it's bad enough touching hair but asking to touch her face and she was like you know, she was telling me the story, she was laughing, but obviously she realised that it was inappropriate. And then she said to me, the um, the non-white, sorry, the, the, the Czech woman then went away and came back and apologised to her because she wanted to ask her something. But she said, if I ask you this, um, please don't take offence, whatever. So she was wondering what it could be, given that she'd already insulted her once or twice by touching her hair and touching her face. And she said, I just wanted to get your opinion on Brexit. And the non-white female, she was laughing at me. It was so bizarre, uh, uh, laughing to me. And she was saying, it was so bizarre. It's like, first you're going to end something by touching my hair and my face. And then this random thing about Brexit. So I'm looking at this non-white female. And the codified software just came into my brain. A developer just came into my brain. I'm thinking, how would she handle this? (laughs) So I said, hmm, what do you think she was going to say to you? Or was the reason why she felt she needed to apologise? Because obviously there was something offensive if she felt she needed to apologise in advance. So what do you think it would be? And the pennies started dropping and she felt a little bit uncomfortable. And then she walked away. And I thought, okay, well, there was no conflict there. But I helped her I helped her to come to some kind of, make a little bit of progress anyway. I don't know if she's quite... Um, I don't know if she's unconfused at the moment, but or less confused at the moment, but definitely the penny started dropping for her. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was pleased in the sense that I handled it by asking her a question and made her do a little bit more thinking. And I'll meet my line there, Gus. The pennies started dropping for her. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those sayings. Maybe I won't use it again. <laughs> but that's what they say, isn't it? It is a saying that they definitely say is in the UK. I will look it up. It is a metaphor. The pennies started dropping. I don't know. Wow, that's that is fresh. I'm gonna have to uh, once I figure out what it means, then I'll see if I can use it. The pennies started dropping. Hmm. Okay, and. Uh, you interpret it for folks who do not keep up with Brexit and what you wacky Brits are doing across the pond. Uh, the connection that you made or that you helped her understand so that her pennies could start dropping between this white woman asking her in advance, I don't mean to be offensive or I apologize in advance for asking, what do you think about Brexit? What was the connection that you helped her make with that? Well, because certainly over here, um, and this woman is from Europe, it's Eastern European, and the um, Brexit, one of the things that the racist suspects over here claim is that they are not, you know, against people coming into this country. They just want to regain Britain's sovereignty to make its own decisions about itself. But clearly this woman is making some link between immigration and the, the racist aspects to Brexit, um, which this non-white female just didn't get um so that's the connection i made and i'm sure i helped her to also make that connection even if she didn't want to admit it but it was clearly something to do with racism and the racist aspects of brexit 
much obliged, Stacy in the UK. Hmm. I cannot wait to do some searching once we get done. Pennies started to drop. See if that uh, see if they even use that over here in the States. Maybe I'm just a slow one in many respects. Uh, that will wrap us for this week's workplace racism. Feels like ages since we've been on uh, for the broadcast. People were writing and saying they didn't care about prenatal yoga. They were just curious as to when workplace racism uh, will be back on the air. We are back and closing the door on Thursdays. Coming back next week, we will be Friday for workplace racism. Thursday for the book club so that Stacy and hopefully some of the other folks who listen outside the states, they can chime in uh, for workplace racism. Uh, maybe it'll be a little easier for folks to be awake later on Friday evenings as opposed to Thursdays. Anywho, tomorrow, book club, 8, 8, uh, excuse me, 8 p.m., 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Black love is a revolutionary act. Whew, I am looking forward to being done with that book. Absolutely wretched dial in we will uh, wrap it up tomorrow evening black miss andry i uh, hope it has been a constructive investment of your thursday evening uh, i'll say again sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism we need all of our brain computers working well uh, to come up with new concepts to solve this problem immediately uh, if we are going to be in a vehicle driver or passenger we need to be sober and buckled up. Uh, let's do everything we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That's it, creator. We ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Uh. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.